Hi, Sam. Hi, Lauren. Are you ready to talk about American Beauty? I am, because after all, we, we are, are the watchers, watchers of movies. exciting oh we're my gosh <laughs> we're in person we finally decided or figured out how to do it without i don't know messing all the audio up so yeah technology hopefully. was against <laughs> we'll us yeah kind of our first like run on this one but i think it'll be okay i hope so i yeah. sure do too i sure do too <laughs> <laughs> and the heat wave has broken oh my gosh finally it's been uh, delicious it's been long oh <laughs> it's been a long heat wave Michigan is, it's a cruel mistress, let me tell you. It's like it's a very summer, moist state. It's cold in the, or in the summer, it's ice cold. In the winter, it's ice cold. That's opposite here. And uh, in the summer, it feels like you are just nestling in Satan's butthole. <laughs> uh, she gave me a weird look like, all right. I mean, I guess if that's what you want to call it. You have the last word on that one. <laughs> okay, sounds good. So how are you? Good. I'm really good. How was your two weeks off? Did you do anything fun? Oh, my two weeks off of the podcast? Mm -hmm. I did things that are fun. Uh -huh. <laughs> I napped on the Saturdays that we weren't recording. Oh, and that was delightful. Right. <laughs> And, and we went shopping one day for Halloween. So. Yeah, we went to uh, Joanne Fabrics okay. and Hobby Lobby and Michaels. Michaels. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I think that was it. Someplace else. Oh, we went to get ice cream. We got ice cream. Yeah. yeah. Yes, we had to get a treat for ourselves, obviously. We deserved it. Shopping trips. So. We deserved it. Yeah. Yeah. And that was fun. Like was walking fun. into Joanne's, it's a very like comforting smell. I could it just is, go. <laughs> sit in a corner and stay there just it smells so nice in there it's I don't just know. like this like crafty like gluey like yeah. wood smell i don't know what it is i wonder if they have if it's like abercrombie and fitch where they have it bottled and they spritz it every morning <laughs> before they open or if it's just the smell of all the raw materials because it's very nice oh man i remember going into abercrombie and fitch as a kid and that was like or not as a kid but like as a teenager and always feeling like I do not belong here. <laughs> like every time I'd be like, wow, so this place wasn't made for me. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I remember um, I had been like working out and like I got kind of fit and I saw a dress online and it surprised me that it was from Abercrombie and Fitch. And I was like, you know what? I'm a lot more fit than I used to be. So I'm going to go, I'm going to try this dress. And I never shopped at Abercrombie before because I felt like I didn't belong there as well for many reasons but one of them was just like I feel like their clothes run kind of small yeah I think I so. never find something that looked like it fit me right and uh so I went and I found that dress and I and I was feeling like super confident because I was like I've been doing really good and I held it up and I was like what is this a dress for ants <laughs> how can the girls fit in it if they can't get in the dress <laughs> That's good. It was so, t I didn't even try it on because I started laughing and I thought, okay, this is, t it's time to put away any, like any desire I ever had, no matter how small it was to shop here, I have to just let it go. 
And so I did. And I've never, I mean, that store is really weird too. Like the guy, the owner wanted them, I may be remembering this incorrectly, but my memory is they wanted them to destroy the clothes instead of like donating them because he didn't want like lower class people to be wearing his clothing, which is so messed up. Well, he said something about like our clothing is made for like super attractive people, blah, blah. And I was like, Sir, you look like a bee stung, like, I don't even know, like, George Papard. Like, he's just like, like, his face was so, like, he looked like he had been doing drugs for, like, years and years. You know oh, really? I, mean? I don't think I've ever oh, seen my God. him. He looks like, he looks like Biff from Back to the Future. You should look him up. I'm looking him up. And he's like, I was like, sir, have you looked in the mirror? Because I don't think anyone would have considered this guy attractive. <laughs> Oh, wow. The, I Wait, typed in see. Abercrombie and Fitch CEO, and the first thing that came up was Abercrombie and Fitch CEO ugly. <laughs> yeah, look at that one. Look at that one. That's, I, that's probably a good avenue to try. Okay, Mike Jeffries, is that his name? I'm not, I don't remember his name. Well, I expect you to know these things. I know. Oh, wow. Okay. Let me see. Let he, me is, see. he does look like Biff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's totally him. He looks like this. He looks Botox. He's stung like, yeah. He looks like he got stung by a bunch of bees. Yeah, he definitely looks like he's had too much work done or so something. You, is it, his name is Mike Jeffries. Yes. So if you're curious, look up Mike Jeffries. Yeah, look him up. And uh, yeah. So I, know, I, I can't believe he said all that <laughs> stuff. And I was just like, am i like what what's happening here <laughs> i don't even know is abercrombie still popular with the young folk because when we were in high school it was like the ba- a big deal oh, yeah it was huge yeah but was, um and i, I no always idea. i always shopped at old navy or gap or american eagle occasionally american eagle um i never i don't think i ever owned one thing from abercrombie for reasons listed I before i did get a shirt from Hollister once which I think is owned by Abercrombie but I'm not sure I think so and they're like in the same yeah in the like league of yeah yeah and uh I think I wore it a couple times and that's my story about mall clothing so how are you <laughs> I'm good I'm good I'm taking a break from school right now as you know yeah and then I'm gonna be back on the 21st so I have no idea what my new class is going to be, but something with psychology. So it's kind of fun. I hope it's the psychology of Mike Jeffries, CEO of Abercrombie (laughs) and Fitch. (laughs) Uh, Did you enjoy your two week vacation from the podcast? I did. It was very nice. It was nice. It was kind of like, like I had to like kind of push myself to get back into things though, because I was like, okay, I'm like, you have to watch the movie today, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I'm just like, fine. I will, but I'm going to complain about it the entire time, you know? (laughs) So, I mean, it's, I, I'm glad to be back though, because it was like, I just like, once I get back into things, I'm like, oh, right. I forget that I love this so much. You know what I mean? Like as, as much as I complain, I love what we do. You know what I mean? Yeah. You get it. I do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, it is. It is nice to be back. Yeah. Back on schedule schedule yes yeah Yeah, it was kind of weird because this week because usually depending on the movie i'll ask mike if he wants to watch it with me and uh this week i was like oh i gotta watch american beauty and then i thought oh i should ask if mike wants to watch it so we watched it together so that was kind of novel you know yeah yeah has he he ever seen it yeah he's seen it more than i had i only saw i've only seen it once before well twice now and i was 15 when i saw it so oh wow it was there was it was interesting like it was 
like watching a different movie for multiple reasons. Like one, I just didn't remember a lot of it. I remembered right. like the high points, but, mm-hmm. and two, I was looking at it through a set of eyes that had like been through a lot more oh, yeah. than oh, my 15 yeah. year old oh, self. Yeah. So it was kind of interesting in that regard. It was, yeah. So. I, I kind of like, I've seen, so I told you last night, so I had to trash my DVD because my DVD was, um, it was well loved. <laughs> I had watched that movie so many times that my DVD was so scratched that I couldn't watch it. So I had to rent it on Amazon. Jeez. <laughs> I know. So I was like, I'll just throw it away. Cause it was like, it didn't look like it was worth saving, you know, and it's old enough now that I could probably get it for like five bucks online, you know, cause I, I do want it still. But um, you could probably get it for two ninety nine at Disc Trader. That's true. I probably <laughs> could. Yeah, you're right. Um, if I even have it, I should call them. But um, so it was it was definitely interesting, like like viewing it because I haven't seen that movie in like years. So I haven't seen that in probably at least five years. So the experience that because I've been in like through a lot in the past five years, like you know, and um, the way that I viewed it from five years ago versus the way that I viewed it now was like vastly different and it's really interesting so I do want to get into that because I'm very excited but we have some things that we want to talk about right yes you saw a movie that you wanted to tell me about (laughs) well first I want to tell you remember you wanted me to tell you about the fridge incident oh yes (laughs) so to all of our our listeners out there so I have a fridge like most people and (laughs) my fridge is old and it's it's like it's been in my apartment obviously since I've had it but it is like it just it doesn't look good it like freezes my food at the top all the time I'm supposed to get a new one I don't know when that's happening who knows if you live in an apartment it's happening at half past never <laughs> right right let me just tell you that so, right now it's gonna right. lower your expectations to zero because you're never getting one right just live like that and everything will be a pleasant surprise you're right you're right yeah. um so i um was going through my drawers because i had to put some stuff in the drawer you know because i was like running out of room that's what she so, said <laughs> so I, like had to put some stuff in the drawer and then i opened up the second drawer And I, as far as I know, like from what I remember, I've never used that second drawer. And I found something in that second drawer and it was a package. And within the package was something brown. And I look at the name of the package and it was fucking mummified strawberries. (laughs) That's so gross. They were like so old. That well, first of all, they didn't look like strawberries anymore, and they were like brown and flaky. Like they were like if you touch them, they'd like crumble. Oh jeez! Oh my gosh! I know, and it's like I mean, I I think that it was someone else's strawberries because I never remember opening that drawer like ever at any point. So like, and I hardly ever use them anyway. Like this is literally maybe the second or third time I've used them in the eight years that I've lived there. I believe you because, well, I believe you because mm-hmm. we're friends, but also I believe you because I have, I think my fridge is very similar to yours and I only within the, like, I only have been using one drawer ever and I have to like make the bag. Like if I buy produce, I have to make it so the drawer closes and the bags are sticking out because otherwise I'll forget they're in oh, there yeah, because yeah, I, I have 
also opened the drawer and found like cucumbers that are like two weeks old and been like oh man these were in here the whole time so like they're only two weeks old <laughs> well yeah i mean it's different but i i there's i never use the other drawer so i totally get it i mean i've looked in it before so i know that there's not something from the previous tenant but i don't doubt that 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 could totally happen <laughs> so nasty and i was like oh my god these are strawberries <laughs> jeez oh Oh, those strawberries could talk. They were sitting there forgotten for years and years. We just want to be eaten. We thought you would take us to the new house. Mother, mother has forgotten about us. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I want to talk to you about a movie I saw. Yes, right? please tell okay. me about this movie. So I was on the fence about watching this movie. It's called The House That Jack Built, right? And it's a Lars von Trier film. I would... Uh, I would be hard pressed to recommend this movie to anyone unless I knew that they were into this type of thing. Mm. So construction, um, right? Construction. <laughs> no, no, no. So it's a, uh, so it's called the house of Jack builds Lars von Trier and anyone who knows Lars von Trier knows that he's got some fucked up films. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I've seen Nymphomaniac, the volume one and two, and, um, they were, uh, interesting. I don't think I'd ever watch them again, but it was definitely like, I was like, okay, so this is the kind of film that he does. And then I looked up the synopsis for Antichrist yeah. and I was like, absolutely fucking not. Yeah. There's no way I'm going to watch that movie. My friend Phil, years and years and years ago, was telling us about the movie Antichrist and it sounded horrifying. And yeah. that, I think, I could be wrong. That might have been my introduction to Lars von Trier. Mm-hmm just hearing about the movie and that is enough to like make me ugh, i don't think i want to watch any of his movies i i don't think i've seen any of his movies i think i saw seen melancholia no i haven't no um i think he was like a producer or something on the movie dear wendy which is also kind of like a bizarre movie but um i liked it when i saw it and but yeah i think i've avoided his movies just because there's always like I hear stories of like imagery and things that I just think, I don't know if I want that in my brain, just kicking around. Yeah. Yeah. This was, this was a hard movie to watch. So it's with Matt Dillon and he plays a serial killer. And the one thing I did really like about it is that he was a serial killer that had OCD. So yeah. So he would like, so he, you know, he kills people and like, obviously that's what serial killers do, but like the first so the first scene is like him driving Uma Thurman in his, his truck, like she, her car broke down and the dialogue was like very like strange. Like, she's like, you could be a serial killer. You could kill me like this and this and this way and this and that. And I was like, lady, shut up. Like I was like, and then he ends up killing her. Yeah. Right. And so stuff like that, that's like too obvious is kind yeah. of bothersome. Yeah. 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 But then, so there's like a, there was a scene where he had um, stabbed a woman and he's like in his car after like cleaning up and everything and like taking her body out and everything. And he's like, and he's just sitting there and he's like, kind of has like his head in his hands and he keeps thinking about like 
what if there's a spot of blood beneath like um, a table? What if there's a spot of blood beneath like, or behind this like picture, you know? And so he would go back in the house, make sure that it was clean and then go back in the car and then he'd start up again. So he'd be like, what if there's a spot of blood here? That's um, really inter- that's yeah, so interesting. That was interesting. But it seems almost like that was forgotten later in the film. Oh, yeah, because it was like, he was very like OCD about that. And then later, like it was not really mentioned again. And so like, there was a scene with um, where he hurts a duckling, like a like a Mm. child version of him. Yeah, cuts off a duckling's leg. Like a a duck? Like an animal. Oh yeah, like a live animal. You said a child version of him. It was a child version, like it was oh, him and I was, a child. I was Sorry. I thought I honestly, since you listen to so much true crime, I thought duckling was terminology for like a young kid <laughs> who was gonna turn into a serial killer. <laughs> so I was very confused. No, no. I was like, it's just something I don't understand. Exactly. <laughs> I love it how you're like, all right, that just went over my head. That's fine. I'm, we'll just keep going. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no. yeah, I don't like animal violence. No, I don't, I don't at know. all, I, which I know is weird. And I know people no, could that's not argue weird with at all. it, but no, I mean like that I, I'd pref- like prefer quote unquote human violence to animal violence. I think you're not alone. Yeah. You are not, you are honestly not alone. I've heard that from so many people. Like it's like, it's like real life human violence is terrible, but like movie violence against humans, it's like, okay. I mean, it's not great, but it's okay. It's preferable over animal violence. Yeah. Like animal yeah. violence is, I forgive me because I know this doesn't make sense, but it's like so sick and twisted. It, no, it is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> he like cuts off the duckling's leg. So it's not like, it's not terrible, but you're like, I, my hands were over my eyes. And it was, sounds terrible. Yeah. It was, it was <laughs> anyway. So, um, so and then there's like a scene where he like kills two kids and that's actually not even like the worst part about that and it wasn't even like like as far as like terrible scenes go it wasn't like the worst murder scene he was a child when he killed them no he was an adult when he killed them but he was like he was like on a date with this woman and her two kids and he's like we're gonna go hunting and everything like that and he bought them all red hats so you could probably see where this is going because he can see them when they're running because of the red hats. Yeah. yeah. So he was like, cause he was in like a, like a blind. Know. I don't know what they're called. What, what do they come? Is what? it called a blind? Like the thing that's up there were like, they shoot deer and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whatever that is. Yeah. I don't, I don't like, I'm not a, you know, hunter. So, um, and he's, so he's like shooting them, but what he does is he takes all the bodies and he like has this giant freezer that he stores them in. Right. And so like, this is, I think this, there's really two big parts or well, really three, like with the duckling um, and the kids, the kids part isn't so bad. It's what he does to one of the kids after that's bad. He like has a wire and he like, forces the kids like eyes open and like the mouth and like this gruesome smile. So it looks like this, terrifying like real life like corpse doll and it's it's awful and um so he's like the whole movie he's like focused on like building this house you know like a real house and he's and this is kind of where like I think I would have liked the movie more but they inserted this whole like thing where he's talking to some guy named Verge it's very obvious it's a reference to the divine comedy it's very obvious from the beginning that he is talking to Virgil from the divine comedy and he like is about to get caught 
and he ends up building a house of corpses literally a house of corpses like strings them up and like and so like all these corpses are in like a house shape because he's killed so many people jeez yeah and then he like walks in and he follows this verge guy who's like doesn't actually exist you're you're kind of assuming and they like go and they see like what his heaven was supposed to be like and then he like goes into his hell and that was and like really so he dies you or something oh okay yeah like you don't it's kind of assumed that he does but the thing is or he maybe like kills himself or something like freezes to death. sure okay but the ending was just like him following this verge guy into this like whole underworld which had nothing to do with the rest of the film so it seemed like it was like two different movies Hmm. and i was like this like this last part if they had just ended it with him like making the house and then him getting caught and then like it just went to black i would have been like great this is i'm on board with this this is a great ending but because he went into the underworld with this dude and was like seeing his heaven and hell i was like this is like totally taking me out of the movie and i'm like that i don't like like it wasn't a bad film at all it was very gruesome it's about a serial killer so you kind of like know what you're getting into but the fact that they like forgot the whole like ocd thing and i don't know other than that though matt dillon does a really good job he's incredibly creepy and um riley keogh is in it oh okay yeah riley keogh and um there his scenes with her are like probably some of the most tense scenes i have ever like just so like you're just so nervous for this girl you know and she's and he keeps calling her simple like he's calling her stupid you know and she's like really don't like when you call me that and blah blah blah. and he's like well that's all you are to me you're simple you know he's like Hmm. your family was stupid you're stupid and like and just and he's awful and he cuts off her breasts you don't see but you know that it's happening and yeah and he like puts a breast on like a police car like yeah so would i recommend it for certain people sure for you no (laughs) i I wasn't even asking for myself i mean like i knew i already knew that i didn't want to watch it so yeah i i watched it with a friend and like bless her because she like she stuck through the whole entire thing with me however she did make me watch the suicide squad so (laughs) Um, well she deserved it then (laughs) (laughs) so she was like but she i think it was a little too much for her because she was like on her phone the whole time and i was like when did i become this person who's like okay with this super violent like awful shit and i'm just like as i've said i was not that person five years ago and i am now so i think there's a difference for me between super violent and super gory because mm-hmm. I've seen super violent movies that are sort of gory, but they're very violent. But then there's movies like this where like dismembered body parts are just like bandied about. And I think that's, that's where I draw the line. We're like, is this just like bizarre for the sake of being bizarre or is there a purpose for stuff like this, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's not, I wouldn't call it a gory film, like, by any means. I've seen way worse. In fact, I think the goriest film I've ever seen was called Apostle. It's with Dan Stevens and uh, Lucy, 
I can't remember her last name. Anyway, Goosey, um, yeah. I believe is what it was. Goosey. Yeah. Um, and uh, and Charlie, she- no, no, not Charlie Sheen. Martin Sheen, no, not Martin Sheen. Michael Sheen. I did this. That's it. <laughs> it's like a journey through the Sheen. Not even related. No. If Actually, it had been like Emilio Estevez at the end, I could have like gotten that. But like- the thing is, when you said Charlie Sheen, I don't know if you know this, but my eyes like lit up because I'm a mega fan of like. 80s and 90s Charlie Sheen. Oh, no, me too. His part in Ferris Bueller is one of my favorite scenes know, in movies ever. <laughs> and uh, I mean, obviously, he's he has problems since then. But I like I'm a, I'm unashamed how much I really like him from like 80s and 90s. No, this movie's things. new. It's pretty okay. new. Yeah, it's from like the last. Oh, yeah. Dan Stevens is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just a like Downton Abbey mm-hmm, yeah. alum. And it was one of the most I think this though that was the movie I told you where I was watching with my cousins and my cousin Elizabeth and I were like covering our eyes and we were doing like a chorus of like no's like I was like no and she's like no and I'm like no no and like <laughs> and it just it was very I don't think I would ever watch that movie again like heredity had nothing on that movie that's Jeez. how gory it was yeah so like saw saw was not gory well actually really the first saw is not very gory at all actually have you ever seen it no i haven't it's it's kind of cheesy but it's actually not bad it's like more psychological than gory and i think that they kind of like went with the whole torture porn thing sure like rolled it into gore but yeah the first one is is really not gory at all yeah Hmm. yeah anyway um there's one other thing oh yeah i want to talk to you about Oh, did you have anything new that you've seen? No? No, I was going to talk to people about, I was going to do a little swerve. Okay. And talk to people about a video game I played recently called Gone Home. Oh, yeah, that was that's spectacular. Right. And if you're not a video game person, I like video games to a certain extent. I grew up playing them, but I'm not like a gamer. By I mean, I'm not even close to a gamer. I just like certain video games and... I like same, watching people same. play games. Like my my roommate Lin- Lindsay, I liked watching her play. I like watching my brother Justin play, and I watch Mike play video games, and that's pretty fun for me. So, um, as I've gotten older, I haven't like partook in as many games personally. Uh, but I recommend Gone Home to anyone. It's so awesome. It's so immersive. Like it's on Steam. You can download it on your computer. I think it's on PS4, Switch. It's available. And it's like a movie. It's it's so hard to describe. It's the most unique game I've ever played. Um, you play a character of a of a young woman who's come home from like a year abroad, and her house is empty, and she has to figure out where her family is and what's going on. And you just walk around the house, and you rifle through the belongings, and you read things, and you look at things, and it's it feels like you're snooping in someone's house it's very cool in that regard because it's just like i don't know you're in someone's life and they did such a good job creating the world of the house and it's just really cool graphics and really really cool sound effects like it's there's like a creepy element to it because it's storming outside and you have to like turn lights on because it's dark when you arrive and things and and as it's going, you hear these journal entries from her sister and the story unfolds. And it's it's such a fun game. Like I started playing it and I played it for like two and a half hours almost maybe. 
and it was a work night. So I was like, oh, I got, I have to go to bed. And so I forced myself to stop playing it. And then the next day I like, like sat through work and I just wanted to finish the game. And I, and I, it took me like seven minutes to finish it. So I was like, man, I could really? have just finished oh, it, man. but it's so good. I recommend oh, it. So it's, it's a really quick game. Yeah. Then. Yeah. It's very okay. quick. And it's just a really cool story and just it unfolds so neatly. So it's not a movie, but it feels like kind of being in a movie in a way. And it feels, I don't know, I I recommend it highly to anyone who has an interest in mystery and video games and movies and good storytelling and just uh, put headphones on, immerse yourself in it and enjoy it. So I don't know, it's not technically a movie, but it, it sure did feel like I was in involved i was like in a story which i guess is what a video game is but this movie this game is so unique that i recommend it anyway wow and mike recommended it to me like 15 bucks it's 15 dollars on steam for a computer but mike mike actually recommended it to me because he listens to a podcast called hardcore gaming 101 and they reviewed it Mm -hmm. and um it's pretty spoiler free that episode so if anyone's curious before they like buy it you can listen to that episode and you you know it won't ruin the game for you or anything um and mike heard it so he downloaded on his switch and i think it was on sale for like five dollars on switch and then he told me about it and i don't have a switch so i played it on my computer but anyway so it's just it's and now i'm telling everyone to try it out i don't want to like i didn't realize it was so short that actually makes me want to play it more because i i can't like i I just can't be on the computer if I don't have to be on there. You know what I mean? Like I used to be on there all the time. Like you remember I was such a computer person and now I'm like, I'm like, please just get away from me. I don't want to be near you. I don't want to be on you. It's just, I feel like it just sucks up my energy, you know? But now that I know that it's so short, that makes me kind of want to play now. Cause I'm like, hmm, curious. Yeah. That is the kind of game I would like to. And it felt to me like, like the price point is a little bit strange. What they, they talked about on that podcast episode where it's like, you're paying X amount of money for a game that's very short, but you pay that much money for a movie or just a couple dollars less for a movie. And that's what it felt like to me. It felt like I was in a movie and I was being entertained for the length of a movie and I would pay $15 to see a movie, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I mean, um, that's how much we pay about when we go to the movie theater, right? Yeah. Or used to anyway. I don't know. I don't know yeah, what the prices know. are Who now knows? after COVID. They could be $25 now. I don't know. I've I'm not been to the movie theater yeah. in a long time. So. so I would recommend it. I just, okay. I think, I think it's, it's a really good story. It made me kind of emotional. Like I got, I got emotional a couple times and the ending like made me really emotional as well. So I just, I recommend it. Okay. Hmm. I'm going to check it out. What's it called? Gone Home? Gone home? Okay. I can show it to you before you leave today. Yeah, I kind of want you to do <laughs> Yeah, I kind of do. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so I have one other thing that I, well, kind of two other things. So I started watching this show, Centaur World, last night. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a documentary? <laughs> no, it's um, it's a cartoon. Oh, and that makes sense. Right. And I, I thought it was going to be for kids. The it's, Terrible Amusement it's Park. It's Centaur World. Kids. Yeah. Well, really? Centaur <laughs> World isn't for kids? No, it's not for kids. Um, there, it's like about this horse that is um, in a war and has like an, like an artifact, like her and her rider have this artifact. And um, 
the horse ends up falling off a cliff, but like grabs the artifact, like the, the like rider's trying to save the horse. And it's kind of implied that the, the rider ends up being killed like right after, but the horse falls and this like artifact opens up this like, um, like link between the centaur world and the regular world. You're looking at me like, <laughs> okay, it's goofy. It is goofy, but it, it's a cartoon. So, <clears throat> and it's like a musical too. I know you laughing at me. Why are you I wish you were, I just like, the only way this story could be more nerdy is for you to say amulet instead of artifact. <laughs> I mean, it is more like an amulet, actually. It's actually like spot on. So <laughs> that's why I said it, because in my head, I'm like, she keeps saying this word that doesn't fit with this story. <laughs> so I was watching it and there was a bunch of parts that made me laugh out loud. Like, and it takes, a, like, I will laugh at something. But laughing out loud is like a whole, like that's it's yeah, no, I totally mean funny. like if you're yeah. watching something about yourself and you laugh out loud, that's yeah. Something. And like, like Josh Radner's in it from How I Met Your Mother. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and Kamiko Glenn, she was in, um, I think she was in Orange is the New Black. But anyway, so she, so anyway, it's like this horse is trying to find all these different, you know, like pieces of this amulet. <laughs> And there was, uh, and I was like, and I was kind of going back and forth between like, is this a kid's show or is this not a kid's show? But I was like, I'm pretty sure it's not because it feels, it felt like a Disney show, but for adults, you know what I mean? Oh, okay. And then there was this one line and I was like, this is definitely not a kid's show. And it was like a song and they said, and the line was, you will bring joy to the nowhere king when he finally watches the light leave your eyes. Jeez. I know. And I was like, oh, damn. So I watched like three or four episodes last night and I was like into it. I was in trance. Like, how did you find out about this? I've never heard of it. It was on, it's on Netflix It's a Netflix show. And I had seen it and I was like, and I like to, like, I like to watch a lot of cartoons when I'm trying to wind down. Cause it's like, um, just, you know, I, I like, I tend to watch the same thing over and over again. I watch a lot of Bob's Burgers, I watch Futurama. I love disenchantment. Um, and I love Rick and Morty and stuff like that. So, so it was like Centaur World, you know, I'm, I'm looking for, I'm always looking for a new cartoon and I started watching it and I was like, but when I watched the like advertisement for it, it made me laugh out loud. So I was like, okay, okay, I'll give it a chance. <laughs> and I watched it and I was, I was into it like immediately. Huh, interesting. So, and it's, it's, it's funny. And like, I haven't, like a lot of the voice actors I've not like heard before there was like Megan Hilty which I guess I've seen in like one show like or something like she looked familiar um but I was very surprised at at how much I liked it so cool yeah it was fun and I'll um, have to check it out maybe you should check it out (laughs) or at least watch like the little like advertisement they have yeah because I I mean it, it definitely I don't know I was surprised at how much I liked it you know and there's there's of course a couple parts here there where you might be kind of irritated by it but for the most part it's it's pretty it's pretty decent yeah awesome nice have you I think I had you watch the Burberry commercial with Adam Driver where he turns into a centaur (laughs) the weirdest the weirdest commercial I've ever seen I (laughs) he's like swimming around and something he's like and I'm a hole in my 
I told Mike about it and he watched it and he was like, is this supposed to be comedic or not? And I said, I don't know. That's a mystery. Is it supposed to be comedic? Because it kind of is, but I don't know if it, I don't think it is. <laughs> it's so weird. But I saw, I don't think it is. <laughs> I saw like a thread, like how I discovered it was through some thread on Facebook or something. It took me to like a news article and then the news article showed like tweets from people and somebody wrote something like, so I guess centaurs are sexy now. <laughs> like oh my gosh it's so weird yes centaurs are sexy now yeah that's hilarious okay so i have one last thing oh okay one last thing so um i wanted to talk about kevin can f himself oh yeah it's on amc it's with annie murphy she's from schitt's creek and it is um basically taking the trope of like the long-suffering housewife and like the idiot husband and like turning it over on its head so in the scenes when she's with him um, they're like sitcom-y, but like when it's her alone, it's like this dark, like almost like it's like a totally different show almost. That's funny because Mike and I, when when I when Mike and I watch TV or something, we'd be watching that channel for whatever reason. And I'd see the commercial and in my head, I'd think, I don't know what this show is because I mm-hmm. can't understand what the tone of the commercials is. And I said something to him one day and I said, this show looks so bonkers because it looks serious and it looks weird like a Mm -hmm. comedy and he said he was listening to free beer and hot wings which is a radio station radio show which i think is syndicated so Mm -hmm. listeners probably know what it is and i've never one of the hosts that does sound kind of familiar yeah Yeah. one of the hosts was saying just recently as mike and i were having this conversation that he started watching it and the tone is specifically different and then you started watching it and you start and you said that the tone is specifically different so that because just watching the tr- like the ads on TV without any knowledge, I was like, this show looks like it's all over the place. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, um, I kind of felt that same way too, but it like, it, it was like right away. Like I, I, my sister was like, Lauren, you need to watch this show. And she's like, we're going to watch it. And I was like, I guess I don't have a choice. Okay. This is always how it goes with Shelby. I love you, Shelby, but it's true. You should do that <laughs> to her with Centaur World. I should. She'd hate that. Um, so anyway, Kevin can F himself, which yeah. I kept calling Kevin can go F himself because it just feels better to say it like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, it's a little clunkier, but. <laughs> right, right. Well, whatever. Anyway, so he's like the biggest asshole ever. And of course, everything that he does is all like, it, it, like he's, he's very much like an emotionally abusive character, but it just, he's just so goofy and idiotic that it doesn't really come off that way. But she's like on the verge of a mental breakdown. Like she's like, I've had enough. I can't deal with this anymore. I'm, she does all the work. He does nothing. He keeps fucking up. And like, and she finds out like something huge that he did where basically like they had saved like $10,000 and he spent all of it. Yeah. And she had no idea. So I'm trying not, I'm trying not to spoil anything for you, but that was kind of like, I just wanted to show you like what kind of person he was. So she's like, I'm going to kill Kevin. <laughs> so oh, okay. when I, saw, I saw an advertisement for that. And when I saw the advertisement where she's like, I'm going to kill Kevin. I was like, I'm totally 100% in. <laughs> so, so, so I binge watched the first season. It was eight episodes, 45 minutes long in about two days. Wow. Yeah, I was like Jeez. really into it. So um, it's, it's a very interesting show. I think it's 
incredibly unique. It is the first kind of show like it. And I think it's gonna, I think it's, and it just got renewed for a second season. So people really like it. And Annie Murphy's awesome. I love her. She plays um, Alexis in Schitt's Creek. And, uh, and so it's just like, you're, you're just watching her and you're watching like how frustrated she is at this guy. And she's just trying to keep it all together. You know, she's not trying to like, but she's also trying to get out of this shitty situation that she's in. And the more he comes up, the more you're like, I will not be sad if this guy dies. You know what I mean? He's yeah. He's just such a piece of shit. And like, and he just like, they, they have like an anniversary and he's like, well, we're going to have a big party that we do every year. And she's like, I just want it to be us. And he's like, okay, well, that's too bad. Cause this is what's going to happen. And it's just like, he's just a dick. So he, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's very good. I would, I would highly recommend it. And I've recommended it already to like a bunch of different people. And so it's like, if you like, it's just so nice to see a film or a show where you're not seeing that typical trope and you're seeing it like totally like from her perspective instead of from his, cause it's usually from his, you know, like everybody loves Raymond and family guy. It's all like that. So yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That sounds intriguing. Mm-hmm. I would I'm curious it. about how the episodes like- are laid out now that you mentioned mm-hmm. the backstory. I'm kind of curious how they organized it and edited it. and um the end scene and i'm not i'm not going to tell you what happens but the end scene was like oh my god what is going to happen to the rest of the show you know what i mean it's very much like it's it it's 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 good it's good yeah and if you like schitt's creek i would i would even more recommend it okay so how did you feel about the movie (laughs) i like this movie i like it a lot i really like it uh, it's beautifully dark. Yes. And um, I do want to say one thing. Um, my personal opinion while we're going through this movie is I know that Kevin Spacey is sort of disgraced in Hollywood and he did some things that are very bad. Um, my intentions are just to focus on his performance in the movie. So yes. any compliment I give him, everything I say about him is seen through the lens of this movie um, because there's so many other people involved in this movie, so I think it's unfair to not give this movie its due. I said this movie as many times as I hope I say it, but so I'm just, everything I say about him is through the lens of American Beauty. I know that he's done bad things, and I'm not condoning those actions, but I do want to just focus on his work personally. Yeah. Because yeah. I really liked his performances in this film. And, yes. Um, and I liked everyone's performance. I liked so many aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so crazy and sad and funny and dark and weird. And it's just, it was a really fun ride. And it's, I really like the movie. There's a lot of, I feel intimidated because I feel like there's a lot of symbolism that I'm not sure I can tackle very easily. Like movies like this are pretty dense with symbolism and that kind of starts to like, like get get at me a little bit because I'm like I don't know what I'm supposed to be thinking and feeling and how I can talk about this so I, I like it though basically. yeah yeah so how about you um so uh this has been one of my favorite films for a long time pretty much since I've seen it 
And uh, rewatching it yesterday has just further solidified the fact that it is one of my favorite films. It is, I mean, it's literally in one of my top five, like consistently. I think it's a fantastic movie. And I, the same thing with Kevin Spacey, like, yes, the shit that he did was bad, but um, I'm, I want to, to talk about him from the perspective of just his acting, you know, not him as a person. We're not looking at, you know, and same with everyone, really. It's like, we're not judging them based on what they did. We're judging them based on how. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and it, it's, it is a very dark film and I think that's what I like about it so much, but I think as an adult, I definitely had like, and I want to get into it. I don't want to really like discuss it now. I want to like, you know, but I, my experience watching this movie was totally different from the last time I've seen it. You know what I mean? For sure. Big time. Yeah. And it was like, it was really interesting because there are certain things that when I had first seen them in the film, I was like, I kind of was into them. And then when I saw them this time, I was like, Oh no, 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 no. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's definitely like, it's my perspective on certain things flip flopped, like total 180. Really? Um, in a way that is like yeah like i know exactly what you mean mm-hmm. okay yeah so let's let's start <laughs> get into it so first I of all notes. i love thora birch yes. i think I, I was always a fan of her growing up like now and then and mm-hmm. um now and then no <laughs> she's been in other movies and now i'm like the, like ghost world ghost world like ghost i world, love yeah. ghost world and um even like when i was a kid i enjoyed her movie monkey trouble which is neither here nor there at this stage but i got that you that one i just i just really think she's a good actress and i don't know exactly what happened to her she might just be living a normal life now but i appreciated her role in this movie and um i think this movie and ghost world are the only movies i can think of where i saw her as basically an adult like she was in real life an adult when she made those movies and they're both her performance is really good in both of them um in this one it's like obviously a secondary character yeah but um if anyone has never seen ghost world i recommend it but we will be reviewing it at some point we have it on our list it's just you know (laughs) we also have a lot of ever-changing list list. (laughs) but yes i really appreciated her part in this movie and yeah and i just wanted to give her a shout out in case she you know i know she's a listener so obviously (laughs) Hey, Thora, what up, girl? Good work. No, I actually, I was reading an article as to why she left, and it seems like what she basically didn't want to um, conform to, like, what everyone else was doing, like, because she talked about, like, Scarlett Johansson and, like, her, like, you know, in Ghost World and versus, like, what she's doing now. And also, I think her dad was, like, inserting himself into a lot of her stuff, and he ended up getting into, like, a like a physical fight or like threatening someone because she was in um dracula i think on broadway and she ended up having to leave dracula yeah and so i think that her career just kind of dived down after that and and she's like she's like i'm still working she's just like nothing i'm doing is mainstream so okay well good for her then good for her that's kind of i heard um on the podcast unspooled i heard on their home alone episode that macaulay culkin's dad kind of ruined his career as well yeah yeah so i think that that's unfortunately sadly common for like stage parents you know well, and like child stars it's like it's just with child stars you're so lucky if you escape like hillary duff and stuff like that because it's just like this really you know you're you're a child that's being like 
thrown into a world that's full of adults, you know, Mm -hmm. and your brain literally just can't keep up with that, you know, like it's just, it's not developed enough. And so I think it's just hard for, um, these child actors, they, um, like become jaded or hardened and then they, or like they're, you know, um, traumatized. And so they go to drugs and so they ruin their lives. And, and it's, you know, I mean, that happened with like Brad Renfro and she actually mentioned him in the article too. And he died in like 2008 or whatever. So it was like a long time ago, but um, and he died of an overdose, you know, so it's, it's just, it's hard. It's- yeah. The movie, the documentary kid 90 discusses that a little bit by Soleil Moon Fry and it's very eye opening because young people in Hollywood are treated similarly to adults. So if you're rejected, you're rejected. Like they would reject a hardened, like right. if they're rejecting you the same way they would reject like Daniel Day Lewis or whatever, you know, they're not sugarcoating it at Who's all. Who's rejected? Well, yeah, I'm just saying like. <laughs> I was just trying to think of a name who's been in somebody who's been in the business. I'm like, you're a fool. If you yeah. Well, I just mean like, <laughs> like he brings in the money, you know, like, like somebody who's been in Hollywood for such a long time, who's like probably has a thicker skin than somebody who's 16 and like right. feeling weird about their body. But yeah, yeah and yeah, so yeah. and also like when you throw a bunch of money at kids and you're like, I had a professor talk about this, um, how debaucherous uh old hollywood was because it's like Mm -hmm. the youngest prettiest people with just more money than they know what to do with so of course they're going to get into trouble so you have all these young pretty people with all kinds of money so yeah and and unfortunately like drugs are addictive and yeah i mean like it happened to river phoenix he was a child star too you know Mm -hmm. it's it's uh i think it's just too hard you know and I, i i really like to like for people or parents who want their child to be or their child wants to be in this sort of thing but are like very protective I admire because it's that can't be easy you know yeah but like you gotta you know like Mm -hmm. you have to protect your kid and be like hey this is a different world than what you're used to and it's not going to be easy and I want to make sure that you get through as unscarred as possible you know well yeah and I mean unfortunately it's kind of an uphill battle because how many parents are like vicariously living through their children instead of protecting their children which I think is true in any avenue of life like not just famous people like a lot of parents like force their kids to be like quarterbacks you know or yeah a cheerleader or a, you know a doctor or, you know so that's what all those teen movies are about no dad it was your decision yeah not mine i don't want your life yeah <laughs> i don't want to no dad it was always you that wanted to be a, a cop or whatever <laughs> oh yeah in mr brooks my dad always wanted a boy so he became a cop like oh i'm glad you swerved your whole life to please your dad well yeah, which happens i mean that happens i can't I know, be sarcastic like, about that but but she was such a lame character <laughs> uh, like <laughs> listen to our mr brooks episode yeah, if you, you want to hear really us talk should, about that really but should, anyway yeah. thora Birch, we get really into it <laughs> and i think mina suhari like i really like her in this movie because i think I she's too. really good at being um like cute with a secret like Mm -hmm. she knows that all she has is cuteness Mm -hmm. and i thought she was i really liked her performance and i thought i would after watching this movie if i was seeing it for the first time like if it was new now i would think she has a bright career ahead of her but she really hasn't done much she yeah yeah yeah, she, she did American Pie and she's been in stuff here and there but she's really like yeah it's um I think she kind of, she, maybe she 
like had a family or something and just kind of was like, eh, I'm over it, you know? I mean, um, Rick Moranis, his, his wife like had cancer and he wanted, he just quit and he was like, I'll take care of my kids instead of, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. A lot of people do that. A lot of yeah. people. I mean, it's got, that's gotta be a hard it's, decision. I mean, you know? I can't imagine being famous just because there's just the pressure of being famous. And then I can't imagine being famous and then leaving being famous. Cause I think oh, that yeah. would be weird as well. Um, so yeah anyway yeah so both her and thora birch Minasavar and, and thora birch i i am surprised that their careers i don't i'm surprised that they're not as as household yeah as I, names as i thought they would be after seeing this movie yeah yeah i um uh, menasivari i thought she did a great job at um just playing like a very insecure young woman who was i mean I was actually like, okay, so I have to say that when I was watching it this time, I was watching it, like, I was kind of looking at it from more like a psychological perspective, and I was really curious about Angela as her character's name. I was really curious about what kind of childhood Angela had, and my best guess is that she probably had a neglectful father and a mother who valued looks over, like, being a genuine person, you know, um, just because there was clearly a lot of um inappropriate react like interactions that she was having with lester and um and it's just like this isn't how someone who's like 16 acts that it has a healthy attitude you know yeah yeah i i think for sure the daddy issues was pretty apparent you never learn anything about her whole no, life you know um, but it is pretty apparent because I think if you had a father who was present in any way, I don't think he would look at other fathers the way she was yeah. looking at him. But I also like that she was all talk. Like Me too. I knew, um, I kind of wish I had seen it for the first time now so that I, like more things could surprise me because I think, cause as the movie was going, I like, when it got closer to that scene that they shared in the living room, I remembered that something happened. Like she wasn't as tough as she put on. Mm -hmm. So when she told him she was a virgin, I was like, oh yeah. But I wasn't totally shocked because I had seen the movie, movie before. Right. So I kind of wish I was seeing it for the first time now because I think that might have fooled me. I think I would have been like, what? Yeah. Wow. Because she is such a blowhard about all oh, I know. the people she's, she's like and with. he just whipped it out and i totally did it with him like of course i did he was a famous photographer like yeah yeah she's she's all talk and then um but anyway go on what were you no exactly yeah so i, I just i feel like that would have swerved me and i think that that part of that is just how good the story is and part of it is how good her performance was like i really liked her in me the too. movie me too. and and um she's just so she's so broken mm -hmm. like they're all so broken oh, yeah. everyone in the movie is so broken and and it's interesting how they're all different brokennesses but yeah 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 i um i i can't believe how much i love this movie like still all this time so i did want to say i want to say two things i know that we're not at the end yet but i have to say that like even though like i knew what was going to happen because i've just seen this movie so many times again had to throw out my dvd because i watched it too many times because it was so scratched so this is a well-loved movie um 
that I was like, I was like, okay, so there are two red herrings as to who kills Lester, the the mom, Carolyn, and then um, Ricky, you know, they kind of put him as a red herring, like from the beginning. Remember? Because she's like someone, because Jane is like, someone should put my dad out of his misery. And he goes, you want me to kill him? She goes, yeah. Would you? Yeah, but they show them. Oh, you mean before they show? Yeah, so you're like, because from the beginning, you know Lester's going to die. Right. He says that right away. He's yeah. like, I'm going to die. And I then- guess I didn't, I know what you mean, and I guess that's another reason why I knew that Ricky didn't kill him this time around, so I wish I could remember if I was fooled for a second right. at all. Right, and same that's here, a, and yeah, I don't remember. That's an interesting point that I didn't even consider. Yeah. Keep going, sorry. And, and Carolyn has, like, she's walking into the house with a gun, so you're like, oh, is she going to kill him? And you see someone shoot him. You see the gun. You don't see the hand, which I think the hand would have given it away, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, so you just see a gun and you just see it shoot him. So you're kind of like the whole or like, you know, I mean, that's like the end. But like there's just I think and I honestly don't I, I'm assuming that this is what they did. But because I've just seen this movie so many times that like I knew it was going to happen. So. I was trying to watch it from the perspective of someone who had not seen it before. And I was like, okay, so there are these two red herrings, which is Carolyn and Ricky. So you're kind of like, who ends up killing this guy? But I would, I would love to hear it from the perspective of someone who's never seen it. You know what I mean? Like, just to like, what were you thinking when, yeah, like pause the movie. Right, right. Right after that moment and say, what, what are your thoughts? Who do you think? Who killed killed him? him? Yeah, exactly. I think if I had to put myself in those shoes, I probably would assume it was Ricky over the wife just because the wife was like giving herself such a long pep talk, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think like if, if Lester had been alive when she got home, I just don't think she would have gone, gone through with it, you right, know? Right. But that's an interesting question. And one I hadn't considered and right. it's, Unfortunately, I can't remember what I thought when I first saw the movie. I can't either. And I, my thought is that maybe when I first saw it, I thought it was maybe Carolyn that did it, but not Ricky that did it because Ricky always seemed so gentle, you know, like he had that incident that he talked about where he almost killed that kid. But I think that it's like a lot of like time has passed and he's changed a lot significantly, you know, so he's not like a violent person anymore, you know? I don't know. I was actually going to talk to you about that because I, I, I wonder if Ricky and Jane are just destined to become their parents Mm -hmm. and they're starting out with all these ideals and Ricky's just going to turn into his dad and she's going to turn into a version of her mother because I mean, his dad was, his dad was kind of a blowhard. He wasn't gentle ever. But then he comes in and it surprised me the first time he like beat the shit out of Ricky. Like oh, yeah, I was like, yeah. whoa, this is yeah. like, not only is he like really into military precision and order, but he's also a very violent man. And then Ricky told the story about basically having the same kind of reaction to somebody. And so I was wondering, like, pardon me, I really love the love story between the young kids i really really like that i liked it when i saw the movie the first time and i still like it um and so part of me wants them to live happily ever after and escape this like terrible cyclical generational thing that they're stuck in yeah they really another part of me thinks like 
there's a scene with Kevin Spacey with Lester and Carolyn. That's the wife's name. Mm -hmm. With Lester and Carolyn on the sofa. And Lester's like, what happened to the woman who did this and this and this? And he's talking about how carefree they were. And I was like, I don't know. I feel like Jane and Ricky running away with all these ideals is the recipe just end up the same as their parents. And another point is that the two marriages in the movie were like two sides of the same coin, which is very yeah, interesting. Yeah, I actually wrote something down about how I thought that Jane and, and Ricky's like relationship with their parents kind of almost ran parallel to each other, you know? And the two parents' relationships, yeah. like neither sets of parents touched each other. Oh, yeah, no. Or I mean, interested in each other in any way. And so that's why I wondered if like these two sad sad story these two kids are destined for the same fate i don't know the movie doesn't really i mean give us any hope abuse is cyclical you know it's like it's i and i think i've i don't know if i've talked about it before on on the podcast but um i've done research on it and basically child abuse in the in in this country is considered to be an epidemic you know Mm -hmm. and it's it's just because what you learn is what you're used to and it's what you're comfortable with so even if you're in a horrible violent situation that's all you know so you it's it's just like it's terrible but i i've never really thought of that like of them becoming their parents and i would hope not and i I, i've always loved ricky and i was kind of like wondering if this time i was going to think he was a creep but I still love him. I still love him just as much as I did the first time I ever watched the movie, you know? And um, I did, I do want to talk about one more thing before I forget though. <laughs> so, you know, you know that scene where Angela and Jane are in, in the room and she's talking about her, um, Jane's dad and she's like, your dad is so hot. She's like, I bet he is a big dick. I would totally fuck your dad, <laughs> you know? It, re- it reminded me of this scene from Rick and Morty and um so there's like the daughter whose name is Summer and then the dad's name is Jerry and like Summer's friend and her like in their room and the friend is looking out at Jerry and Jerry's like doing beekeeping and she's like she's like oh it's really cute that your dad does beekeeping she's like I just like kind of wonder how old he is you know like it's really sweet that he does that she's like you know like he's obviously like beekeeping age and then she's just kind of like looking in silence she goes Summer I want to fuck your dad and Summer's like oh really (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing i I wonder if that was like an homage i don't know maybe but (laughs) it was it was perfect and it's it's a funny scene but it's it's like it just totally reminded me of that because it's like because you know because angel's like i'm gonna fuck your dad (laughs) some of my luck (laughs) some of my favorite moments in the movie were kevin spacey hustling to get away from like so he's in his daughter's room looking up Angela's phone number and he calls her yes. and then he has to do like this quick walk to get out of the bedroom and then and he's like casually just yeah, like, yeah and then he's standing at the doorway and he does like and she goes wait did you hear something and he does this like <laughs> run away from the door and he's like wearing shoes yes. so you can hear the him loudest, running like, yeah I know. oh my god those were so funny I um that scene where he calls Angela, I was like, what are you going to do, Lester? What do you, what, it, like, what's going to happen That's here? so weird. It's so weird. It's I such know. like, the thing is, I, I don't know if I should talk about this now, but I kind of want to because it do fits it, in. So it. like one of the things that I know I thought differently about when I was 15 was I was really grossed out that 
Mina Suvari's character, that Angela would want to hook up with an older guy like that. Not because it was creepy or pedophilia or whatever you want to call it. Right, right. But because he was so old. Right, right. And now when I watch that scene, I think it's really creepy because he's an adult <laughs> seducing a teenage girl. And that that's like totally different that like i was so put off the first time by the fact that she would want to like kiss him and stuff and now i'm like he's fine he's a fine looking guy i think he's relatively attractive in this movie in a weird way but i mean he you're you're right though he's like he's building himself up he's looking more confident he's got those like biceps like he just and he has like this demeanor that's like really like yeah no i get it there's something about him in this movie that's like you know so i see him differently than i did and now i'm like she's a young girl like this is such a weird scene and so it's funny how like a total i don't know 180 or whatever that i had so so mine is in some ways similar <laughs> but when I first saw it I was like I'm kind of into this I'm kind of into the relationship like I don't like I don't want it to happen but I kind of want it to happen you know what I mean and then when I watched it now I literally had to cover my eyes at certain parts with him because I was so like cringed out like I was like I was like 16 years old Lester she's 16 years old like I was like this is not okay and I was I was very uncomfortable with how like like that scene like it's one thing in his fantasies because it's a fantasy and like you know it like it's a very obviously a fantasy but the scenes where like that like close to the last scene where she's like wow you look really good like you know and she's and he's like oh you like muscles and i was like no 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 i like <laughs> as soon as he as soon as he took control from her she was like cowering she was not oh, yeah yeah she no. didn't want well, anything she, to do with it she was so the thing is like it's like a, it's a dance like as long right. as you both know your roles you can both have fun in this dance but right. but when you're underage and you don't know what you're doing and you're up to it, like with an older man who can groom you and like lie to you and yeah no that whole thing is like it was it was very interesting to see that dynamic though because you're totally right like she just kind of looked like she was like all of a sudden like oh shit he's coming back at me and now i don't know how to react because i'm a 16 year old fucking girl yeah and and who's um, very inexperienced, which we don't really know yeah. at that point, but right, right. And you know. and you kind of like maybe guess that she's inexperienced because like she reminds me of the show, or there's a character in the show called The Inbetweeners. It's like an Aust- it's a British, it's a British show. Yeah, it's a British show. I had to think for a second. The actor Greg Davies is in it, and I was like, he's British. Okay, it's a British show <laughs> anyway. And uh, and I think he's funny, but um, it's about these kids they're all like teenagers and one of them is like the one who's like oh i've had sex with so many girls you know he was talking about how he liked sex with playboy models and i was like okay i'm sure you had sex with playboy models like uh," you know and um and then you like find out later that like he's never had sex at all and he like ends up dating this girl and they end up having sex and he ends up getting like super attached to her and so you're like <laughs> so it's kind of like and it's like sad but funny because you're like haha you dick this has never happened but at the same time you're like oh he's really heartbroken <laughs> over this girl but she just kind of reminded me of that where she's like of course you know i slept with all these guys and blah 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 and it's and it's very obviously an insecurity thing because people who are confident in themselves don't feel the need to brag about stuff like that. You know, they're just like, yeah, it's whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I don't kiss and tell. But um, so I don't know. 
I guess that when I first saw it, I don't think I knew that she was lying. You know, I thought that she was really like telling the truth, like that she was just maybe like very promiscuous, but it, you know, and then when it comes out that she's a virgin, she's a virgin. It was like, I was like, what? But I mean, obviously this time I knew that that was coming. So it wasn't surprising, but, um, I really liked his reaction to that. You know, it was like, like, even though he really shouldn't be having sex with someone who's 16 years old when he's in his 40s, I'm guessing, <laughs> you know, like, it still was like his reaction was at least like, okay, well, at least he's not like that bad of a guy. Like, you could, like, it's kind of like that award, like, you know, like you tried, like, well, you're, you could have been a way worse human than you were, you know what I mean? Like, I actually. I wanted to talk to you about that scene because Mike okay. and I had a little bit of discussion too, because Mike was like, what are we supposed to feel about? Like, is he supposed to be a good guy after that? And I don't know because he did spend a lot of time on dressing a 16 year old. And I was wondering, my take on the scene is less about what she said, but just the fact that the spell was broken when she talked so I was wondering, like, in my head, I thought he justified having sex with this young girl because he thought she's worldly. She's been around the block. This is not her first rodeo. We're consenting. We're two consenting people. And that's how he was sort of justifying this, like, right. seducing a minor, basically. And then and that was totally fine. Like, the fantasy was becoming reality while he was, like, undressing her slowly. And then she said something. And I wonder if she could have said anything and sort of stuck him into reality, like, oh my gosh, I'm about to have sex with a minor. Or if he really was that kind where he thought, oh, I don't want to be her first time. You know, like Mike and I discussed this and Mike was like, did he think, oh, I don't want to be her first time because she should have sex with somebody who she, who means more to her or what, what was it? And I, and I was thinking like, I don't know. I don't know if he's that kind-hearted or not. I mean, I don't think he's in a weird way. I don't think he's a bad character, even though what no, he did. No, I don't think. At but all. I do wonder if, like, his imagination got carried away and he forgot almost who he was, who he was with for a second, and then she spoke and broke the spell. And right. and what she spoke, I wondered if it was more for us because we saw her through the whole movie bragging about you know, being so experienced. And then we find out she's a virgin and less for him. And just the fact that she spoke was what brought him out. Or do you think it was, you think he actually like her words, like I'm a virgin actually changed is, is what changed his mind. I think the words that she, I think her telling him, Hey, I'm a virgin is what kind of like, I think, I don't think you're wrong though. Like, I don't disagree with you. I think it's kind of both. It's like, because I think the fact that she like said that she was a virgin and then he goes, you're kidding, you know, was like, I think it really was a shock to him. Like he did not think that she was right. Yeah. Right. Which is why I think that he was so like, okay with going forward with it. But, um, at the same time, I think, I, I think maybe, but I mean, then again, she could have been like, you're sexy or something. And that probably wouldn't have broken him out of, you know, like, you know what I mean? So I think the, the content of what, the words were were definitely a big part of it yeah okay and, and i i really like that he like he's like you're not stupid everything's okay and he comforted her and it was almost like the way a father com comforts a daughter you know like it's the, like he forgot his role for a second mm -hmm. yeah and yeah he, like, put the or for a, around a while her. like a few months maybe a few weeks i don't know how <laughs> yeah, long like, the and, movie takes place over but 
yeah i would say probably i'd say probably a couple months at least um but like he puts a blanket around her and he like gives her a hug and then he like makes you know like some dinner for her and it was like it was like it was weird it was like like every fantasy that he had about her now was just completely gone and she's a kid again Yeah, yeah right and um and i just think that this movie is so interesting with like how these people like think and they work and and like they're um i think it's it's such an intimate film you know what i mean it's just like you're looking at and i and i read i remember reading an article like forever ago so of course i don't remember what it was about but they there was something that they had said that um there's a lot of meaning in the scenes where people are alone you know like where carolyn is trying to sell the house and she can't sell it and so she's like sitting there and she's crying and she's like stupid 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 and she's like slapping her face you know um i i think carolyn's got a lot of issues going on a lot of control issues yeah i mean everyone does in this movie but i would say she in particular is a very unhealthy person you know like mentally um very unhappy they're all unhappy i mean no one's happy in this movie but um and you know it's just like seeing these different parts and you're seeing like lester's just kind of coming into his own where he's finally like i'm done with this i'm sick of this i hate this nine to five job you know i want to do what i want to do you know and i like that he started smoking pot like working on stuff because i was like yes (laughs) you know but um it's i think it's just a very i think like what you said earlier there there's a lot of symbolism and it's a very complex film that has so much more to it than just what's on the surface you know what i mean and i think that's why i love it so much i think it's because it's such like it's just a very well done and well thought out film and very well written you know and like i've seen and so sam mendes is a director and i've seen like his other stuff and the only other movie i can think of is skyfall and i've talked about skyfall and the problems i had with that and i was like oh sam mendes let me down <laughs> you know like after american beauty i was like i was like oh my god sam mendes is directing skyfall and i was so excited i was like watching it in the theater and then i was like oh okay so that's how you're gonna go about that <laughs> his know? movies are also dark like yeah yeah um i can't i don't know jarhead revolutionary road oh he did revolutionary road mm-hmm. yeah okay they're so dark yeah we the- looked it up after we saw american beauty because i was like i know i've seen movies by him but i couldn't remember off the top of my head and yeah i was married to kate winslet i think for a little while he was yeah 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 Yeah. i wanted to talk about carolyn because there was a scene of hers that i really liked and i wanted to know your take on it so do you want to hear my take first yeah 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 okay yeah yeah. well no 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 ask me my take first okay i don't want it to be like skewed by your take just in case you know what i mean so she comes home and Mm. lester is trying to seduce her on the couch and she sees the beer bottle tipping and she says lester you're gonna spill beer on the couch like what did you think of that um i think it's like as far as the scene or like her like her thought process her reaction everything like well so she's definitely into what he was like you know what he was bringing um and i think it was just like maybe like a this is a good question um 
maybe it's like she reacted that way because she felt like she had kind of like lost control for a second because she seems and I wrote this in my notes that she seems like she doesn't accept imperfection from people and that's including herself her family you know like she says to Jane she's like are you trying to look unattractive and it's just like you know maybe like let your daughter just wear what she wants to wear and don't make her feel bad about it you know because that's how that that leads to people having low self-esteem when someone digs on you all the time um and I think it's maybe like she it, it was like she lost control for a second or she can't she just can't let go she can't relax and I think that really the only time that she relaxed was when she was with buddy but buddy again is like a fantasy it's like he's there he's handsome he's you know um he's successful he's doing he's like basically kind of like her idol a little bit you know and um very charming and so when she has sex with him which that part made me laugh out loud he's like you're being fucked by the king She's like, fuck me, your majesty. And I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. I was laughing so hard. It was, it was, it was perfect. Um, so I think it's, it's just, I think she just can't relax is what I think it is. I don't think she can relax around Lester anymore. I don't think she can relax around her daughter because I think that she's either, I think she's cultivated an image for so long that for her to let go of that image for a second is like devastating to her, you know, and for her, an image is a really nice, expensive couch with a made of Italian silk, you know, so that's, that's my thoughts. Yeah, no, that's pretty close to what I was thinking, but I, something I really liked about the scene is like we see shades of who they used to be and she is really into it. And she says that line and, and I, I feel like I felt this scene. So I think it resonated with me so much was because she's leaning back and you could tell she's into it. Cause he's like, her husband is like trying to seduce her again, which probably hasn't happened in a really long oh, time. Yeah. I think that they really and could have benefited from a little, just, like get yeah. naked you know yeah oh yeah and like, um big time so he's seducing her and he's saying all these really nice things about her and she's into it and she's enjoying it and then she says that line she's like you're gonna spill beer on the couch and then her face it's so awesome because her face you can tell that she immediately regretted the decision and i thought that yeah. that moment was so well acted is that annette benning is that yeah yeah like just such the brief flash on her face and i felt it in my soul like the moment when you're like you're talking to a friend or you're somewhere like not even sexual just anything in life where you're like something good is happening and then you just say something so stupid yep. and then you feel like why did i do that like why couldn't i just let it be and i felt that so strongly in her face and then and then it was over like mm -hmm. yeah the, the moment could never be salvaged you know like and, and I felt that that was such a well done moment and a well acted and well written and it was so sad but like so good because she'd already had the affair with Buddy mm -hmm. she had come back from like she had been sleeping with him because you could tell she had like a, a new pep in her step and in Kevin Spacey noticed Lester noticed because he's right, like you right. look good today you know yeah 
She's and like, I just got fucked. So she was like <laughs> into her husband for the first, like, even though she was getting some from somebody else who was more into her than he has been for a long time, she was into her husband. But like you said, which you said it really well, she couldn't like let go of control long enough because like the, the ball she was juggling in the air, no pun intended about like sleeping with another man. No, no, like, I you know, it, like everything that she had to juggle right. was too important. And then she like, and then she said that phrase. And I think like, her controlling self came out when she said that. And I just, I don't know, really that moment I thought was so good. And, and the look on her face was so perfect. And, and, and then it's over for them. Like you can kind of tell at that point that like whatever they've lost, they probably will never get it back. Yeah. And it, there's almost like this hope when, you know, he's like seducing her that there's, there's almost this hope that like, maybe they can reconcile, maybe they can, you know, it can be fine. It'll it'll be okay. But yeah, you're right. After that, it's like, this is dead. This is dead in the water. And he's probably never going to try that again. And I would it probably wouldn't either. Not if I was in that situation where I felt like I couldn't even speak to my spouse, you know, and it's just like, you're trying to have a little bit of fun. He's drinking a little bit in the middle of the day. It's like having a good time, whatever. Yeah. And then, yeah, she's just like, Oh, Oh no. And yeah, it's a, it's a good, it's a good scene. And I've definitely been there in my own real life where I've said something and I'm just like, oh my God, Lauren, if you don't <laughs> shut the fuck up, like, come on. Yeah. Like, and I mean, I mean, I can think of a specific instance where uh, I was dating this guy and like, and I had said something and like immediately after I said, it, I was like, fuck. And then it, it didn't end up working out with him. You yeah. Know? Sometimes I, I mean, I do that to myself too. Like, I'll be like, just let people have things like just Right. Or just right. go with the flow, you know, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. so I really liked that. And I, I liked how, I mean, I think Lester was having obviously a midlife crisis. I don't think, I mean, it was pretty apparent oh, that he was yeah, having, yeah, yeah. but it seems like, like them slowly falling out of touch with each other was both of them working oh, yeah. in tandem. Like it wasn't just his fault or her fault. It was like somewhere in the past something happened and they just started going down diverging paths and this was their one chance maybe i mean she was already checked out enough to like sleep with another man yeah, he was yeah. checked out enough or he was uh fantasizing about a a, a minor yeah just yeah. weird behavior i mean like there's a line between like temptation and fantasizing you know like and he was oh, already yeah. He was like, kind of like that line. He was fantasizing time. about his kid's friend in a creepy way because he was like listening at the door and he was like very nerdy like, and creepy. When, yeah. So like that was like crossing lines. And so like that, I think like, that, that could, <laughs> sorry, I just have to go back to that part. Like all I could think of was when he was calling her, if he was going to be like, hey, girlfriend, it's last. <laughs> yeah. What was he going to say? I <laughs> like, I'm like. Like, he can't be like, oh, I accidentally, like, especially, it's not like our phones now where you, like, put it in your pocket and you, like, accidentally butt dial someone, you know what I mean? This is a whole other, like, he looked up her phone in, like, the yearbook, like, there was a whole, or, like, whatever Her little address book, Yeah, yeah, and, like the whole like thing like there was a whole big other that was that was such a weird scene. i mean if i put myself in jane's shoes like my dad called one of my friends like that's weird that's, yeah well she was gross yeah out too. she was like ew yeah yeah so so they were already like checked out of their marriage obviously for a long yeah. time and then in the middle of the night when she woke up and saw him masturbating and he was like what did he said like that's 
he kind of made me laugh in that scene because he was like, well, let's get going or something yeah, like we like, can do it right now. Yeah, yeah, and she, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, she's like, well, I don't want to do it now <laughs> or whatever she says. <laughs> so yeah. So the, in at the, after that point, and then he just pretty much started, well, he was already doing whatever he wanted because he bought that firebird and, and he, yeah, quit his job. Yeah. yeah. And he, yeah. That was I I think that as far like to me, I think what happened, this is what I think happened in their marriage. I think that um Carolyn started working as um a real estate realtor, whatever. Realtor. Yeah. Re- realtor. Realtor. Okay. <laughs> I always re- I like how you said real estate realtor. <laughs> realtor whatever. You you get what I meant. A realtor. Um, I always want to say realtor. You know I know. I, mean? I think it's like a a common like design. Like yeah. it feels. It like feels more it's like it be. feels better to like say realtor than yeah. a realtor. Yeah. So she's a realtor. Yes. <laughs> anyway, and I the more think- you say it, the more normal it will feel. No, I'm just kidding. It's quite <laughs> um, the opposite. Um, and I think that she became so obsessed with having a certain image and like keeping up with like Buddy and all those other people because I bet there's a lot of other people that were you know mm-hmm. she wanted to keep up with her peers and it became more about um pro- like projecting this image or promoting this type of image. Yeah, and- like that's I think that's like what sealed the deal with her sleeping with Buddy was because he said something like, "If you want to be successful, you have to look successful." Yeah, yeah, or something like that. And then she's like, ho- she's like holding the. <laughs> the menu and like staring at him mm-hmm. yeah and i think that lester had depression i think is what yeah. happened i think he was very depressed and i think that he was angry and likely saw that his relationship with his wife was slowly starting to dwindle and not work out and and you know and and he's and things happen and this is not an unusual thing i mean it happens all the time with people's relationships but i think what happened with them is that they weren't actively trying to make it better. They just were resenting each other, you know? I think that since it was both of them moving away from each other, I think that's what was like the nail in the coffin. Because if it's like one person and the other person is still committed, maybe maybe you can salvage it. But when it's both of them just like moving in opposite directions, yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah. And I mean, he clearly wasn't happy at his job and I... And, you know, he was like a writer, like a media writer or something like that. So I thought that was, that was kind of interesting, but it, it was just like, just the, the way that he quit his job and the way that he threatened that guy and said, well, I'm going to say that you sexually harassed me, you know, was so <laughs> indicative of someone who has just pushed to the point where they're just like, I don't give a shit. I don't care what happens to me. And to me, that's big time like sounds like depression you know what i mean it does it definitely does sound like he had depression and uh and i think he realized like he was sleep sleepwalking through life like Mm -hmm. he was going to a job he hated he had a family who didn't appreciate him he didn't like his daughter didn't want to talk to him anymore and and his wife didn't want to touch him or you know like they didn't right so i think that yeah all those things yeah it's and I, I think it's easy to, you know, maybe he saw how successful she was getting and he was just in the same job and she likes her job. Um, and maybe there's just resentment because of that. You know, he was not happy where he was. And But the thing at the same time, it's like, well, 
you might be not be happy where you are, but you can do steps to change it. You know, if you're not happy in your job, then start searching for something different, you know? And it's like, the good thing about work, like, is that you're not stuck in one place, you know, like you can go wherever you want to go. If this isn't fitting for you, then go somewhere else. But, and, and it's just like, I think that one of the things is that gets harder the older you get. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Um, Cause I think, I think he was in his forties in this movie. Cause he's like 62 now. Cause I was looking up how old Thora Birch was and, I, and she's 39. Um, so I don't know. It's just kind of, but anyway, cause what, this came out like 99 or something. 99 was a good year. 97 through 99 was a good year for movies. <laughs> the nineties was just like a good decade for movies in general. There's a lot of great movies yeah. in all the nineties. Um, but yeah, so uh, let's see. I have other notes, actually. I think that's why, as you look them up, um, I think that's why, like, I like that moment between him and Ricky when they're smoking pot outside the, like, gala because Ricky just quits his job. Yeah. And I think oh. that's why Lester loves seeing that because he's like, here's somebody who has autonomy to do whatever he wants. Yeah, he's like, you're my hero. And then Lester is like thinking back to when he was young and like the whole world was ahead of him and he could choose any number of forks in the road and do any number of adventures and now his road is like a straight line, you know, right. he doesn't he doesn't have that. And partially that's his own doing, you know, he he walked himself into this life and but at the same time like you said like there are changes that can be made and and he did start making changes when he i liked when he quit his job and uh i like when he got the job at the burger burger place yeah because he flipped burgers when he was in high school and right right yeah and uh and so i i think that's it's interesting because he sees the freedom that ricky has and he's jealous of youth basically and yeah you know Yeah. yeah i mean it's I think it's easy to feel that way the older you grow because you're kind of like, or the older you get, because now I don't, I don't feel jealous towards my youth, youthful self. In fact, I don't ever want to go back there. Like, thanks. I'm, I'm happy in my thirties. I really like being in my thirties, you know, I am a lot more confident than I was back then. You know, I feel a lot better about myself. Um, yeah. Well, I think part of it is just like, his wife yeah oh, his yeah, family his I mean, house Jane like i mean presented if, him yeah like i wouldn't want to go time. back either yeah no but i no. think like for him like if you're living in a house with like somebody who's now a stranger to you who doesn't care actually about you in one single way like that's yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's rough it's definitely it's definitely hard um i let's see I wrote that I like how death and life is intertwined a lot through this movie, but specifically with Ricky, he seems to like, you know, he talked about like the homeless woman that he saw like frozen to death, which I was like, man, that sounds like that'd be super traumatizing, but it seems like he just kind of like was like, well, it life and death happens, you know? So, um, but, um, I did, I did have to say that I felt like some of the dialogue that they had was felt a little stiff sometimes. Like when you mentioned where he's caught masturbating and he says like a bunch of different like ways to masturbate. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I was like, okay, okay, we get it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I could have done without all that extra. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and there was, um, there was like some other, like some other dialogue scenes 
uh, which now of course I can't remember them, but I just thought that the, like the dialogue was just, it just felt stiff. You know what I mean? And it certainly obviously does not take away from the film at all. This is a fantastic film, but it was a little bit like, and I don't know if it was just a product of its time, you know, but watching it now in like 2021, I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, I was like, that was a little, a little stupid thing to say, but yeah, whatever. I know? thought like Mike and I talked about Ricky a little bit because he, he thought Ricky was like too creepy for Jane to like actually be interested in him. And, or he was like surprised, I guess he expressed being surprised that like Ricky's creepiness didn't turn her off because he like videotaped her all the time and stuff and and I thought about that a lot between when we watched it and now and I think in terms of Ricky I kind of agree that like it's a little bit weird because he like his fascination with death is a little bit strange and, Mm -hmm. and telling this girl that he's interested in he filmed a, a dead body and, and then he said, do you want to see the most beautiful thing I ever filmed? And it's just like a bag. Like, I think, I feel like that stuff is kind of dated. Right. For, and it like the dramatic effect that it probably had in 1999 for most audience is lost in this generation just because life moves, like the world changes. And yeah, no one has and, a camcorder anymore. They're going to use their phone. Yeah. You know, well, yeah. And like, we'll just find another way to be like overdramatic right. without talking about a bag blowing in the wind. It's just something else, you know, like same right. shit, different day. But I always really liked Ricky because Me I too. liked how confident he was and I liked yes. him. He was like a savvy kind of cool drug dealer and and, <laughs> and yeah. he, he just like he, he was also, very calm. I love how was, calm he was. Yeah, and he seemed kind of like like brooding a little bit in a way that I, I thought was kind of cool for his character. And and I also really liked and this Mike and I discussed this and it's it's been ruminating because it would go a long way for me if I was a teenage girl. If I if this happened when I was a teenage girl, where my beautiful, vivacious, talkative friend who eclipsed me in every single thing, if a guy who was like interested in me and didn't care one bit about her, like that would have gone a long way for me. Oh no, I totally and I agree totally with you. see how it went a long way for her. And then. But and then I told I said that to Mike and Mike said yeah but like after that like the relationship isn't just built on him liking her, and I and I thought about it a lot and I think I figured it out because she decided to kiss or like touch his hand after he he gave that soliloquy about the bag and how there's so much beauty in the world and he feels like its heart was gonna burst and I think that was when she decided that she was that he like that she liked him because he has this like poetic soul yeah. So I think initially she was taken with him because he couldn't care one bit about her friend who probably gets all the attention and he didn't think that she was ugly. You know, he was interested in her and his interest, even in like videotaping her, like it's creepy, but it's also flattering. I agree with that. She would smile, like she would, she would call him names, but then when she was alone, she would kind of smile to herself because she was like, somebody is actually interested in me, you know, and like. Her friends like dance, like Angela's like dancing in the window and he's not even like watching her. He's watching Jane's face, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think that goes a long way. But then I think his like poetic nature and his poetic like soul, I guess, and his quiet way is what like made her decide like, okay, yeah, this is somebody that I want to be around. And I thought that was a really sweet moment when she like held his hand. Um, 
And then I liked that they like sort of paired off and, and, but Kevin Spacey says the exact same thing at the end of the movie. And that's why I wonder if they're doomed to just repeat the mistakes of their parents. Oh, that's a good, okay. See, I, I don't think as far as Ricky goes, I don't think he would be like his father. And the reason I don't think that is because I think Ricky has high emotional intelligence. Um, I think that he, he definitely manipulates his dad. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I think that he like, yeah, he's very good at like placating his father, which I think it's someone who he's 18 in the movie. Um, who's someone who's so young. I don't think that's, that's kind of an unusual quality to have, but it just seems like he, he clearly knows how to like talk to people and, and like, and then not in a way that makes me feel like he's like a charlatan or he's fake or he's a con man or anything. No, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like he knows how to talk to people and, and, and even when, you know, like Angela's kind of bullying him and she's like, you're a fucking freak or you're a creep or whatever. He was like, okay. You know? And, And so I think that I just don't think he's anything like his father. I think that he has, he's a lot more of an emotional person and he is, um, I think he's like, as like, e- this might sound weird, but I think he's almost more worldly, worldly than his dad is, oh, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like his dad's all like, I mean, his dad is so homophobic and he's like, oh, so homophobic probably because he's gay. He's so repressed. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. so like, he's so repressed and, and Ricky just has these things where he's just like, okay, like, I'll just agree with you, but this is like, it's clearly just to like, it like, like lip service. Right. But it also, I also like, so I'm, I want to talk specifically about the scene where they're driving and it was after they meet the gyms, <laughs> the gyms, <laughs> yeah. um, which I had no idea that was Scott Bakula. I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> and, and he's driving and he's saying all this like really homophobic stuff. And it's like really awful. And, and, um, and Ricky just basically repeats it back to him in this like kind of aggressive tone. And it really shuts down the dad. Like the dad is just like, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's right. That's right. You know? And I think it was, and, and to me, it's just like, I honestly, and even after all this time, I still think Ricky is my favorite character in that movie. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. I really, I liked, I like, he, he's like, it's like respectful lip service. Like yeah. he still loves his dad. And I feel like, like you said, that's a good way of putting it with his emotional intelligence. Because mm-hmm. I also think, and Mike mentioned this as well, because Ricky says the phrase about like denial is a powerful thing. And Mike yeah. was wondering if he was also talking about his dad, like he knew that his dad was a repressed homosexual. Do you he, think? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think it, he can see people. Well, he's I think. very observant, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I, th- I think, honestly, like Ricky is like at a different level than all of us are. You know what I mean? And I felt like this since I've, I first saw this movie where he just seems like he it's like he has this ability to observe the world in a way that we don't you know what I mean and I think it's a very powerful tool and I think it could really help him in like his his life and business and whatever um and I think it's very 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 possible yeah that he's like oh I know that my dad's gay or he's like you know or he suspects it anyway or whatever I mean he can see right in front of him the misuse of his mother which I really want to talk about his mother because big time I barely remembered her. Uh, oh, yeah. I didn't remember yeah. it was Allison Janney, and I didn't remember that she was like catatonic. And I thought, like when the movie was going, watching it this time, I was like, does she have Alzheimer's or something? Like, I was is something wrong too. with her? But they yeah. never address that. Is it just 
she's just like a fixture in the house because her husband has no interest in her because he's repressed. Like they presumably had sex enough to, to have one child. Right. Right. And then like, um, like, are you asking me what I think? Yeah. Like what was wrong with her? Was it just because she's unused and unappreciated and just floating through life until she's dead? Or is was there actually like, did she have some sort of degenerative disease? Because he says, I wish things had worked out better for you. And that makes me think that she's just been mistreated I was, for I was, decades. That's kind of what I thought too, is that she's, I mean, cause so it's, it's very, I just have to say, it's very weird seeing Allison Janney as that kind of character because she's <laughs> so, she's like almost larger than life. One you know of the, cri- I mean? one of the few crimes of this movie is of severe underutilization oh, of her because she's definitely a, an amazing actress. Yeah. Like it, it's like, she's, I mean, she's got like maybe all of like four or five lines, like in the entire film. Um, so I, I kind of was actually questioning if she maybe had dementia or something. And I think that's a possibility, but I also think that her, she's just broken. She's just like, she's been with this. Oh, that's what I want to look up. Hello. Oh, Colonel Fitz. That's right. He doesn't, he doesn't like have a name. Okay. So Colonel Fitz, um, I think he's, he's just such an aggressive, abusive man that she's just been with this guy for so long that he's worn her down so much that she's just like she's just like okay whatever you know like she she knows what to do or what to say or what not to say in order for him not to strike at her or possibly hit her son you know because I mean clearly violence is something that he does a lot so I would I would assume that he's probably hit her I would imagine multiple times yeah I think I think it's interesting because he's so repressed that he acts out in other ways like military precision, keeping everything, everything has to be perfect. Don't speak out of line. Don't walk out of line. Don't do anything out of line. And he's doing that. His family is the collateral damage of this. Like he's doing it for himself because he doesn't assume, I assume he doesn't want to be gay. Mm -hmm. So he's put all these parameters on his life. And his family is just unfortunately caught in the crosshairs of that. And I think that that's really interesting and really sad. And I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think his wife is just, she does, she's a robot. She's a robot. She does exactly what she knows will keep her off of his radar and will, and he doesn't appreciate her or want to anything to do with her. So yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's like, and you can just see it even when they're like sitting on the couch, he's sitting right in the middle, right in her space. And she's just leaning off yeah, to the side. Like, yeah. It's just like, and it's almost like she's not there. They're watching some sort of military thing. It's something she clearly doesn't really care about or pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And he's laughing at it. And it's just like, I mean, this guy, so Colonel Fitz, it, it clearly was in the military, which they had a very like, I, I mean, the military as far as I know, and I, I don't know a lot, but I know that they were very like strict on the gay thing. And they were really like, you know, um, I think people that were gay or were seen as gay were usually like bullied or, or assaulted or something. So it's, it's like, it's a big deal in that, you know, I think, I don't know if things have changed. I don't know. I know that there's like the don't kiss, don't tell thing going on, you know, but, um, for a long time, people that were gay were not accepted in the military. So, 
I think also just from his generation, people that yeah. were gay were just not accepted in life. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a whole, like, thing in the, what, the 80s and the 90s with the AIDS crisis, you know, and, and like, and, like, Princess Diana went out and, like, did this, like, change people's views on how to treat, like, people with AIDS because she actually, like, shook their hands and everything. And I'm getting goosebumps talking about that. That always makes me, like, oh, that whole, like, that whole thing always makes me so emotional, the whole, the whole AIDS crisis. Like, anyway, I don't want to get into it, but um, that's not really about this. But, you know, and I'm sure that he probably grew up with a very aggressive and abusive father, too, who, like, you know, drilled it into him. Like, if you're gay, boy, like, you better leave my home, you know? And, and it's just, yeah. like, he would, so, and Colonel Fitz would rather see his son dead on the street than have him, like, and then have him like be gay or whatever yeah i don't know if he actually felt that way i think everything i mean that's what he said but i think everything he said was just a reflection of himself like yeah i could never be gay i'd rather be dead than you know like tell people i'm gay and so i'm just gonna take it out of my like like vicariously trying to make it so his son isn't gay and yeah. So I, yeah. yeah. So I think, I don't know if deep down he actually felt that. Cause I was actually wondering if part of his motivation for the ending was because of what he thought was happening between Lester Ricky and, and Lester Rick. yeah. and less about the fact that Ricky could be gay and more about the fact that like Lester was mistreating the kid and, and, and things like that. Like his motivation was all wrapped up maybe in embarrassment as well, which we'll get to, but right. Um, and also the thing about the situation on the couch that you talked about is like, she doesn't have to be in the same room as him, but yeah. she probably does have to be in it. Like, like, you know, when a husband and wife relax, that they're not interested in the same things, like one of them could be in the other room, but oh, yeah, it, yeah, you get totally. the feeling that he requires this certain thing, this d- denial, like Ricky like, said, like, well, like obedience. Yeah. Like, he wants like you to have to safe. be yeah. in the same, even though you don't care anything about this and I don't care anything about you. Like we still have to be here together. Well, and yeah, I mean, it's a abusers. Yeah. Credo, you know, like I have to control you. I have to mm-hmm. control what you do. Um, and it, it's, yeah, just that whole situation is just so sad. And she just, and that, that, that scene where Ricky's leaving and what you said where he's like, I wanted, I want it better for you. Just like broke my heart. Like, she's just like, I know. And like they kiss like on the cheek and then he just leaves, but it was just, she just seemed so distant. Like she would just wasn't there, you mm-hmm. know? And I mean, I don't know if it's possible that dementia can come out of abuse. I don't know if that's a thing. Um, I know that you can, you can, develop mental disorders because of abuse and because of like childhood abuse and stuff like that trauma um so i guess it's possible you know yeah i just wondered like part of me wishes there had been some scene like one scene where you see her like maybe dosing herself with some sort of catatonic drug or a scene where ricky says something about like to jane like my dad hasn't acknowledged my mom for years and so she's just fading away you know something yeah because yeah. i just i feel like that that's the weakness in this movie is the that his mother i think that her storyline is is totally undertold and her storyline is very sad it's yeah. heartbreaking did you ever see the movie beginners with christopher Plummer? no it's a great movie it's great it's a great great movie um but christopher Plummer's character is a man who Wait, when did this come out Jeez, I don't know, maybe like 2009, 
Oh, so it's not that old. Yeah, you okay, McGregor cause... and um, what's her name? Shoshana from Inglorious Bastards. Oh, um, Melanie Laurent. Yeah, she's yeah. in it. And they, anyway, so Christopher Plummer is you McGregor's dad, and he got married to a woman in their younger days, and they had their son, obviously, but he was gay the whole time, and the mom knew. And they talk about the mom isn't in the movie. She's passed away before the movie started, you know, but they talk about how she, you know, she got married to him. She knew he was gay, but she thought that it would be okay. But then she just like spent her life just being sort of like, like sad. Cause you're not, I mean, like, it's not, it's a really good movie. It's not a totally depressing movie. It's actually like a pretty uplifting movie, but there are sad parts in it. Mm -hmm. It's very sad. And, and um you only get bits about the mom and like reminiscing but it's it's like you're living a life with somebody but you're not actually like living a life with somebody so even though you think it can work out it just doesn't because you guys are on different pages and and that's sort of what this relationship in the movie reminded me of but to a lesser extent because these characters weren't lovable like christopher Plummer was a very lovable character in that right, movie right. and, yeah, and like Colonel you got Fitz the sense not, like, yeah like you got the sense that they had affection real affection for each other they just could never cross that like right. boundary that a husband and wife should cross you right, know right 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 and um so yeah like like that's what I, it's just such a it's maybe the saddest story in the movie is colonel Fitz and his wife yeah because she doesn't even have autonomy to have an affair or leave him. Not that I recommend having, like, don't have affairs. But, like, you know, like, Carolyn had the autonomy to make these decisions. And, right. And they weren't the best decisions. But, like, uh, what's her name? Barbara. Barbara, did just she was just, like, this ghost in the house. And yeah. unwanted, unused, un, like, cared for, un, just alone like literally well maybe not literally that's a bad use of the word literally but for all emotionally she was alone for probably years and years and years very neglected yeah neglected that's the word and and so i wish that they would have explored that a a, just a tiny bit more like we didn't need a lot just a little bit more just because it's so sad yeah i mean i i could have seen her maybe be addicted to like prescription drugs yeah that's what time. i wondered like just that would have been so like, that would have made sense because mm-hmm. that would have made sense as to why she was so like numb and she was just kind of like distant and like you know she it seemed like she she cared about her son but i i think the part that really like that i go back to as far as dementias when she's cooking bacon and she's like oh honey i made your bacon and he goes mom i don't eat bacon and he, she's like, you, and he goes, you know that. And she's like, oh, right. I'm so sorry. And I was like, it was, I mean, he was very sweet about it, but you know, it was like, yeah, it, she's like a Stepford wife. Right. It like, is it but like a sad one? Yeah. Like, I know. I was just going to say that too. Like what a, like a, yeah. Cause Stepford I guess wives, the Stepford aren't, wives like, aren't, isn't that happy of a story, but yeah, but yeah. 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 Uh, I never saw the movie. There's parallels. The thing is, so Colonel Fitz and Carolyn are like the same person, control freaks in some way. Oh yeah. And Barbara and Lester are the same person. It's just Lester hasn't 
given up like she has yet yeah that's that's exactly what i wrote really? down in my notes yeah i was yeah. like i was like jane and ricky's uh lives run parallel except for the dad and the mom are like yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so i said exactly the same thing so that's an interesting juxtaposition yeah. in the story that i really appreciate i did too yeah i i i agree with you i wish that there was just a little bit more to barbara i mean you could have like given her like two or three extra minutes that's it yeah she wasn't you didn't need she that wasn't much a vital part of the story but she was there you know and so yeah. she was and i think her and her story was as important to ricky's story as colonel fitz's story is yeah. you know mm-hmm. and it's just like i i don't know i think that this movie is phenomenal honestly i think it's probably one of like it is is still hands down one of my favorite films like it's, it is very good it's so good yeah it's just like I love, and I love that it like, and I, I really didn't think about this, but it really like mostly takes place within like a block, yeah. you know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there's like scenes at school or where like Lester's at work or whatever, but for the most part, it's really like, it's concentrated within, you know, those two houses mm-hmm. and kind of the Jim's house, but not really. But, um, I did want to talk about, so I didn't actually know that American beauty and like, I, I knew this a long time ago. I discovered this a long time ago, but I didn't know when i first thought that american beauty is actually a type of rose oh i didn't yeah. know that i yeah. did not know that yeah because i was wondering why it was called american beauty and i thought that that was like kind of weird and then i was like i was like oh my god american beauty is a type of rose and i was like wow rose roses so and i liked that whenever and i don't know if you notice this but anytime like in whether it's in his fantasy or not there was always roses when when angela was around lester i did notice obviously the fantasy scenes but i i don't know if i noticed it yeah like when they were in the kitchen there was like a like a a vase full of roses and then when they were in the when she was like listening to the music in the living room or whatever there was like a vase full of roses there so yeah it's interesting that his fantasy is essentially kind of like kind of almost like covered up by his wife like because his wife is like symbolic and like the the the, uh the feathers the petals i feel like (laughs) well i also think there is um inherent symbolism in roses and like women are compared to like like disparagingly i think compared to like the 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 flower of youth Mm-hmm. and now yeah everything is appealing when it's young and it's in the prime of life but are you is it going to stay appealing to you when the bloom is left the rose right you know and so right now angela is a beautiful rose a vivacious alive red rose and his wife is more like a drooping you know to him right, i mean right. not like i don't like people's value doesn't go away as no, no, older, no. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so yeah so i think like the bloom of youth is like a perfect rose Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i'm curious i want to look up what red roses symbolize they symbolize love and sex or something don't they yeah so you're right it's a symbol of deep love romantic feelings and desire it is a straw it conveys very strong and passionate emotions so which is not really surprising um, I did not know American Beauty was a type of rose, though, so mm-hmm. that puts it in an interesting perspective. Right? Yeah. Um, I I just think that there's, to me, there's symbolism beyond it being just about the flower. I think it has something to do with his wife, yeah. too, because 
Like those are like her babies. You know what I mean? Like she's always taking care of them. You see, he says like her gloves mat or her clogs match like her, um, like, um, what was it? The the clippers. Yeah. (laughs) The clippers. Yeah. (laughs) It was like making like a gesture with my hand, uh, the clippers. And so she's, this is clearly something that she spent a lot of time and passion over. So it's maybe like, with in his fantasies when like it's always covering her you know that it's maybe like the cover is like what's stopping him because it's like his wife from like seeing beyond that I guess I don't know you know what I mean I I think that I think it's just an interesting aspect that she's always covered with the red roses and the red roses kind of symbolize his wife you know yeah yeah that's interesting yeah so I don't know if you were thinking about that either but I wrote it down and I was like I gotta mention it you know <laughs> yeah I don't know unless it's like I, I don't I don't know exactly I think that's a good enough explanation of okay. any <laughs> I, I think that that makes sense because like obviously any woman that he is fantasizing about there's this like remember you have a wife mm-hmm. you know so yeah, yeah. and also now that that stopped her yeah like his wife is obsessing about the roses so it's kind of like sarcastically um dark that he'd be like see it's i'm obsessing like about you your roses to too wife, yeah like yeah, yeah. like oh your roses are very important to you well now they're important to me as well like <laughs> we both love but your in roses a different way yeah so i yeah kind of an interesting i guess yeah way to look at the the thing that his wife is obsessed with and how he can desecrate them almost like i can destroy the thing that you're you love so much right right and that's almost like um like a little internal ulterior motive yeah sort of yeah i i mean i i think that is part of probably his motive as well as that he's like it's like he wants to disrupt his life he wants to create kind of like almost a little bit of chaos not like he wants to destroy things he just he's just bored he wants to do shit you know he wants to get in shape and look better naked or whatever you know and and i i get it um i did want to talk about um when well i mean we kind of already talked about it when ricky says his dad is not a bad man i thought that that was interesting like it wasn't like he was defending his dad's actions necessarily but the fact that he like maybe he says that his dad's not a bad man because of the struggle that his his father has had with like homophobia maybe or something but to me like someone who beats the shit out of their kid is not a good person and is like they're not like they're not not a bad man you know what i mean like to me like you you get what i'm saying like you can't say they're not a bad man when they're beating the shit out of you you know yeah it's hard because it's wrapped up in the fact that he is so repressed and i think that goes back to the comment that mike said about like ricky's phrase about denial is like ricky kind of maybe sees the struggle that his dad is going through and he understands it and he understands that it makes his dad act out in a certain way right and that's another reason why i was nervous like is ricky gonna like ricky does ricky ricky obviously has that same streak because he got taken out of school and sent to military school and then he didn't last and he, right. you know so 
Yeah, I, I think when you see somebody, because he obviously still respects his dad because he cares enough to go through the facade of giving him a urine sample mm-hmm. and he agrees with him to pacify him. And and so I think he sees the struggle that his dad goes through every day and maybe he pities him a little bit. Yeah, I could see that. And I think because Mike also said that it was interesting because there's not like a real villain in the movie. No, because, no, everyone is everyone is kind of like yeah, like Colonel Fitz is guy villain. Yeah, yeah like yeah. they they all have problems. They're all messed up. Like, like they're all their own villain. Yeah, and yeah. like Lester tries to seduce a young girl, and Colonel, but Colonel Fitz's motivations for everything he did is just because he's trying to keep himself so tightly wound. Right, and like Carolyn is kind of a sympathetic character because she's kind of like falls apart when she has like. When she experiences like small doses of normal rejection and right and poor jane is just like hopeless because she has these like two lost parents and she's not very like she's pretty but she's not like a cute person she's not like her friend and angela is a shell she's pretty but she doesn't have a lot going on no and, you know so i think angela has a lot more going on than we think she does i just think that angela's just i think what well, I think that with a lot of people, I think that Angela's just so, I think she's just lost. I think she's just this lost little lonely girl and she wants, and the way that she's seeking approval um, is in inappropriate ways because probably because she just doesn't get it from home. You know, she's has, I would guess that she has neglect in her, in her. Oh, for sure. I would think. Yeah. Yeah. But, and I think that that's why she was able to cross that bridge to let, Lester start to seduce her because obviously we talked about before she got scared away from him but Ricky told her you know you're you're not pretty you're ugly and you don't have it you're boring and you're not interesting at all and so she was totally ordinary yeah she was seeking that affirmation and Mm -hmm. I think that having sex with him would have given her that affirmation for 30 minutes you know afterwards and 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 so that's why I think she was able to like cross that line with him and why she probably stayed and mike suggested that she maybe stayed at the house because she kind of wanted to get back at jane because she told lester you know jane's mad at me because because i said you were sexy and like that's why she told lester that to sort of get back at jane for the mean things that jane and ricky said to her and right yeah and the thing is that in like and i've done a lot of thinking about this i actually could not stop thinking about this is if they did end up having sex, the emotional impact that would have had on Angela, because I think that really would have messed her up, you know, like, and I, like, yeah, she was having, like, I, like, that makes my heart hurt. You know what I mean? Like, I've been that 16 year old girl, I can't even imagine having an older man who's more than twice my age, seduce me my first time. And then like, what's going to happen after that? It's not like he's going to date you. You know, he's not going to take you around and meet his friends. Like, you're not going to have a, a relationship, really. Is know? he even going to be interested in you after yeah, like, that? And, yeah. And, like, are, like we, it's not, like, are you going to be able to even talk to him? Like, to try and, like, get through, like, understand your feelings of what just happened? Because, if especially for a young woman, that is a very intimate act. And that really, it, like, in it makes a significant impact on, on your person, you know? Yeah. And I, I couldn't stop thinking about that. And I just like, and 
it made me like really just kind of mourn for like the women that have been in these, in these situations when they were very young and just, you know, and like, God forbid if she got pregnant or something like, it's just, this whole thing is just so, it's like, sure, it seems like a great idea when it's happening, but this long-term impact would be, it would be hugely significant on her mental state and how she would um, grow and who knows, you know, I mean, this could, this would probably affect her for the rest of her life, to be honest, you know, it would affect relationships for the future. It's just like, and I, and I never thought of that when I saw seen oh, this me movie neither. before. And, and I, and so I just couldn't stop thinking about that. And it's like a really scary thing for me to think of this young woman being in this situation with someone who is so much older and so much more experienced, has a kid, has a wife. And he's so checked out. Like oh, yeah, his life, yeah. like his life right now seems to be quote unquote turning around because he's going through like a mega crisis. So he's still has issues that <laughs> yeah i mean yeah the fact that he even thinks that this is anywhere near okay yeah no that's case I mean, in point again like i fantasize about celebrities doesn't mean i want to go and have sex with them. <laughs> i mean like i understand that there is a difference between fantasy and reality and i'm fine with my fantasy saying a fantasy because it's fun but I don't, I'm not like actively trying to pursue it. You know what I mean? Like, sure. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Like yeah. there's more to somebody than just somebody to, to sleep with. Right. You know? Right. So right. just basic human interaction is different than a fantasy even right, before right, sex, yeah. you know? Yeah. And like he was getting so, uh, I don't know. There's just, I liked that he was sort of like, he was being seduced with his own fantasy not in the living room with her necessarily but like his whole new persona was he was seducing himself with this fantasy of how life was what did he think life was going to be like dramatically improved or different just because he started lifting weights and in got a job at a burger place like you know i mean yeah it probably would be different and maybe you and i think he could make his his situation more positive, but I think all of the changes he was making, he was just going to get sick of in like six months. You know, it wasn't yeah. like real change or real improvement. No. Well, and he, the only reason he started working out was because she's like, if he exactly. started lifting weights, I'd totally fuck your dad. Like, yeah, it's not know? like he wanted yeah. to like feel better overall. It's because he wanted to look good naked because he and wanted... the long-term goal was to sleep with Angela. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, and so I think like, and if that's your long-term goal, that that's pretty fucked up. Like, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, in any case, like, if you're bettering yourself with the end goal of sleeping with a specific person, you maybe need to look beyond your goals. Well, yeah, <laughs> so I mean, like, like, and see, like, hey, maybe just do this for yourself because if you're putting all that fantasy on one person, for one, that's not fair to that person, and for two, it's a little weird, you know. So yeah, yeah. Um, I did really like the scene at the burger joint when Carolyn and Buddy drove up and yes. Lester is at the takeout window and the the woman at the restaurant she's like, You're so busted and Carolyn's like, This is none of your business and he says, Lester says, Actually, she is the drive thru manager, so you're on her turn. <laughs> I know. I, I really like that. And like I don't know if you saw, but she did a sassy like, Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like a little like head wag. Mm-hmm. I've seen that actress and things. She's I pretty funny. She- 
plays a lot of Greek characters, isn't she? She looks like she's Greek. Mm-hmm. You know? She's pretty. She's a pretty funny actress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, oh, and John Cho is in it. Yeah, for like two walking through the house. Yeah, it's so funny because I okay, so I. I don't know if you knew this, but I think I think John Cho is like super cute. Like I am very attracted to John Cho. Um, and I've like the more I've seen him and the more I'm like, oh, I just love John Cho. Like I'm a I'm a John Cho fan for sure, 100 percent Um, and so when I saw him in this, I was like, wait, wait, no. Is that no? That can't be. I'm like, is it? I'm like, oh my god. And then I like texted you. I like I'm that like, you argued with yourself for so long. <laughs> well because i was like i mean he doesn't have a single line he doesn't he's just like a it's like he's a what what did you call it a something extra what is it were they a featured extra yeah oh, no, featured featured, extra. yeah yeah featured extra i didn't i definitely didn't know who he was the first time i saw the movie and i would never have remembered that he was in it so yeah let's talk about the ending talk let's about do the it ending. yeah okay so my first question for you and i'm guessing you're probably gonna say yes because i think i I'm, i say yes too but do you think that um colonel fitz killed lester because he was afraid that lester might say something to someone i think it's i think he killed him for a whole host of reasons i think he killed him because he thought that there was something very dark and sinister going on with his son oh that's right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it's lester's fault that now he doesn't have his son anymore because he's kicked his son out mm-hmm. and so they're on the ver- like they're they've just started this journey of being estranged like he doesn't have a son anymore and I think he loved his son because he showed it in really bad ways. But I mean, I think he did because he was very, very upset. And um, and I think that he was ashamed because Lester knows his secret now. And Lester knows that he's... And, and there's a, like an embarrassment and a shame in that, that he tried to kiss Lester and Lester turned him down. Mm-hmm. And also... He was so nice about it, though. He yeah. Was like, oh, Dude. yeah. And all, but also, I do, well, yeah. think, I do think that he probably was afraid that word could get out mm-hmm. and he had to save face yeah yeah so i think all those reasons is that that's yeah no i totally agree with you i i like i like that like the whole kind of beginning like you know um where not the beginning but i mean the beginning of that whole thing um was where he's just like standing outside like watching him and there's this and Colonel Fitz has this look like he's, he looks devastated, you know, like he looks upset. He looks like he's going to cry and he just doesn't, I think that Lester is so kind to him at the moment and he really is. I think he's, he's being yeah. very kind oh, yeah. him. Yeah. And he's just like, Hey buddy, are you okay? Like you're soaking wet. And I thought that the trigger for Colonel Fitz to think it was okay to kiss Lester was when Lester said, we should get you out of these clothes. Yep. Yeah. Cause I thought yep. that he was like, Oh, he's flirting with me by saying this. And so now, you know, I'm going to try and kiss him. But you know, Lester was like, okay, like I know. <laughs> and know? in Colonel Fitz's mind, like Lester has been engaging in yeah. sexual activity. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, I wanted, which to- I did not remember. We should talk about that um, that whole scene that leads up to that. It's with it's pretty comedic in a weird way because I did not remember that. Oh, you didn't? No, I remember that Colonel Fitz killed him, but I thought he killed him be- because of the kiss, like because right, of that. Right. I did not remember that he thought Ricky. Yeah, was, I actually I don't think I remember like that prostituting either, for yeah. Lester, but that's like pretty comedic, and I'm. <sighs> 
I'm trying to remember when I learned exactly what oral sex was. I feel like I was a bit of a late bloomer because I, I, think I was too. <laughs> I remember a situation in school. I it was the Clinton scandal. I remember the Clinton scandal. That's when I learned what oral sex was. I but think so I too. I think I had to learn about it. A, like in a roundabout way like I people were saying the phrase oral sex over and over again and I remember an embarrassing situation in school when I said to my friend well oral sex is just like talking like saying I'm doing this to you you're you know like <laughs> and she agreed with me so she must have been as naive as I was right something turned her on to the fact that that wasn't true because like I feel like it was a span of like three days to a week she knew what oral sex was actually and I didn't mm -hmm. and because her and another girl made fun of me for my definition oh, of oral no. sex and they kept saying like but they they said it in a roundabout but way that makes sense as a kid though well sure they yeah. made they said it in a roundabout way they were like who told you what oral sex was and I made up a lie about who told me what oral sex was and they were like oh okay and that just like was like the topic of conversation for a while maybe like a day and then finally I asked a different friend what oral sex was and she told me and I felt so embarrassed. But then like most things that happen when you're like a 14, 13 or 14 year old, like that blows over and some new scandal takes right. its place and it right. just, and then you just know what oral sex is. And right. I must've known what it was when I saw this movie. Cause I, like I said, I was 15 and I feel like the Clinton scandal happened when I was like in seventh grade, maybe sixth or seventh grade, which is younger than 15. And but I don't know if I put together at the time when Ricky was like, um, like rolling up the joint. I don't know if I put together that that's what the dad thought was happening. Right. But it's right. comedic. It was comedic to me to see that scene now because Kevin Spacey was just like totally at ease with his hands <laughs> behind his back. And I was, was actually like, thinking that too. Like he was like, and then he like lifted up his body and I was like, he's being like, I was like, this is like like this is like too <laughs> convenient that he yes. has that like yeah. like and because I was thinking that too I was like it's too convenient that like first of all like so Colonel Fitz's view is blocked by this like part part of the wall you know <laughs> and he can only see his son leaning down yeah. and then Lester has his hands like on his head and I was like it's funny that he would choose <laughs> that position to relax in yeah when this like it it would felt like it felt like I I didn't not like it but it felt a little bit too on the nose. Like, I, agree. I agree. It was yeah. a little funny. Like like it's, it's a comedic moment right, because you're right. like, oh my gosh, come you're on. Like, of course, like, that yeah. seems like something that would happen in like the forty year old virgin or something. You know? <laughs> right, 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 right. And and I I kind of appreciated that it was like I don't know if it was intentionally made comedic or whatever. Well, there were other things in the movie that made me laugh. So I yeah I, maybe it was. I mean, right, it, like right. the scene. It didn't feel necessarily like that, but it did at the same time. So right. perhaps, right? Like maybe it was supposed to be just kind of like humorous yeah. or something like that. Yeah, but it, but it was it was interesting watching Colonel Fitz because it was like this mixture of like fear and like appalling, but also like interest. Yeah, you like know? he like like he was scared. What? Like yeah. he was terrified, but he was also like oh. I also wonder if he was like slightly jealous that his son crossed what he thought his son crossed that barrier that he could never cross. Right. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe there's like a, a range of emotions and that's why he looks so scared because he's like, oh my gosh, here I am doing all these things to keep myself on the straight and narrow. And here he is just doing it. Fucking some guy's dick. <laughs> 
and I like me you know we're all thinking I just said it (laughs) I like that like in in the moment I was actually sort of relieved that the dad didn't know he was dealing drugs you know like you're relieved for Ricky you're like oh good his dad just thinks he's gay but then you're like oh wait (laughs) I know I know like oh thank god he just thinks yeah he's he's giving oral sex He's just a prostitute like, because right. he, you know, but I gets paid for it. I do have to say that I did. I did like the scene where a Colonel Fitz does confront him and, and he and Ricky was like, he's like, that's right. He's like, I'm the best lay in three states and you should see me fuck and like all this stuff. And I was like, kind of like, yes, because it was definitely like it was definitely Ricky going like, you can't control me and you can't tell me what to do anymore. Big and, time. Like, and this is over. And it was just so standing up for himself. Yeah. And, and yeah. I mean, and the, and the Colonel was just so like, again, like afraid, appalled. And, but like also in like interest at the same time, it was like, it was the actor, Chris Cooper. Yeah. He does a really great job as Colonel Fitz. I feel like mm-hmm. he does a great job. Um, I mean, everyone in this movie does, but his, his performance is this kind of like slowly like falling apart guy who's like just struggling with his you know like homophobia but also his homosexuality is so interesting to me and you almost there's there's certain movies when I watch them that like make me really wish like man this would have been a great mini series you know like I would love to dive into like what happened to each his character. history yeah. And, yeah yeah because mm-hmm. like did it, he have any experiences in the past right and also like seeing more about someone's history can make you feel like more empathetic towards the character mm-hmm. like there's this and I've talked about the show a lot but uh sex education there's a character named adam in it and adam's a bully and you're like i fucking hate adam adam's the worst and as the show went on and they showed like what was happening with adam and like his mental state and like like the relationship he had with his father i actually like really ended up loving adam and um and it was just because adam was just such a he just had such a hard life that you really felt for him and he wasn't actually a bad guy but he was a kid and he didn't know how to express himself so and I'm not, I don't think it would necessarily happen with Colonel Fitz, but I definitely think that you would maybe feel more empathetic towards him because I'm assuming that he's had a, a rough upbringing just as Ricky has, you know, probably worse. And, you know, and so it's, it's just, it's kind of like, I'm always like, tell me more about this character. Like, I just want to know, yeah. you know, like I, I could just like sit and just like consume that media for hours. You know what I mean? And same with, you know, uh, Barbara, which is like the same thing. Like what happened to Barbara? I would you know? like to see a backstory on, on their yeah. relationship and their lives before, um, before. Yeah. The movie, the movie yeah. takes yeah. place. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so we can talk now about the, the, the killing. Yeah. <laughs> um i liked i liked how uh lester had achieved some sort of like happiness Mm -hmm. without even realizing it he did he was excited when he learned that jane was in love like yeah angela was like she thinks she's in love and he just kind of smiles and then he realizes everything he has and i think that that's i think it it it's very dangerous ground it could so easily become cliche that whole moment but it didn't Mm -hmm. it worked really well uh because he's like i don't know it's it's like a wizard of oz ending before he gets murdered obviously where he's like oh there is no place like home but in a in a modern way in a way that 
like maybe somebody worse doing it could have made it cliche so easily. Like it's such a slippery slope, yeah. but I thought it worked really well. Yeah. I, I like just to, to build on what you're saying when Angela's like, how are you? And he goes, you know, I haven't, no one's asked me that in a long time. And he just slowly smiles and says, I'm great. Like, I felt like it was really like authentic. Like he really felt like he was doing very well, Yeah, you know? And it is kind of heartbreaking that he, like his life has just ended so quickly, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and again, we've talked about how you see like the tip of the gun and you see his, you know, he gets shot and then, but you don't know who did it. And, and, and then I like how you're seeing each individual person and you're seeing Angela and she's in the bathroom, she hears the gunshot, you know, and they're, you know, the kids are upstairs and they hear the gunshot and then Carolyn is walking up and she, and there's the gunshot. So you're like, okay, so mm-hmm. we know that it's neither of any of these people. And, um, and then finding out that it was, that was, it was Colonel Fitz was, I mean, it wasn't shocking to me because I've seen this before. So I'm, I'm so curious as to what someone else would think who has not seen this. Like, would they be shocked? Yeah, I'm, I'm curious as well. I wish that would they guess it, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just so it, it's, it, it makes me wonder also to, as far as like, what's going to happen after this? Like are Jane and Ricky still going to take off now? I don't know if I was Jane now, if I'd want to take off after my, my father just got murdered. You well, know, I feel like really iffy about leaving my mom behind as much as I resented her. She's still my mom, you know? I was thinking like her reaction was so weird because I, I thought she, so too. She was so calm walking because I mean, let's just erase the fact that this is her father. Just the fact that you'd walk into a room and see a body in that yeah. predicament would be horrific. But now add back in that it's her father like she was she was so stoic about it and i maybe she like i know her character probably isn't given to hysterics but i think that situation would do something where you'd like scream or you'd like look away but instead she was just like whoa and then i feel like seeing your boyfriend hold on i just want i have to say are you sure that she saw his body though because i think she just saw the blood because there was like there was a way that they show like there was kind of like part of the wall was like blocking her view it looked like so it looked like she only saw the blood and then ricky went in but then you don't see her going at all or you you never know what what she does at that point so i don't know if she actually saw the body it didn't feel like that much distance to me that's what i'm trying to think i it felt like ricky just knelt down in the doorway almost yeah yeah i mean and plus i mean also i i know what you're saying but if if you see like blood spatter like your next inkling is to take that one step into the room yeah yeah so i'd have to see that scene again to see if she actually saw him or not but if i saw my boyfriend do what ricky did that might like dissuade me from like running away from him because he like got down and like stared at him and i was like okay maybe he's a little creepy in this scene you know and he like smiled and said wow and i was like yeah i mean i think i think that ricky's very comfortable with death um but you're right that is kind of a i don't i always like that i always actually liked his reaction but I don't know if you noticed, but I think that Lester smiled just tiny he, bit. Yeah, I did he notice did. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't obvious like a way it wasn't like Elizabeth Town. Right. You know? But he um, did, yeah. Yeah. But, of course, we always have to bring it back to Elizabeth Town. Everything can be linked to Elizabeth Town. <laughs> 
crazy. It's like it's like Harry Potter. Like Harry Potter fans are like, I can link anything to Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, um, the six degrees of Elizabeth Town. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I I thought she maybe hadn't seen it, but um, I don't know. R- you're right. Ricky's so comfortable with death that it's it's very strange. <laughs> it makes me wonder, like, if he's seen other things. You know. Well, he did see the homeless person. That's true. Yeah. To me, that would like be traumatizing. Like he was so cool about it. I'd be like traumatized. I mean, it. yeah, like you see someone's brains splattered on a wall. Oh, yeah. Like, that's... Oh, well, I was talking about the frozen woman. Oh, but, well, yeah, that but, too. Yeah. yeah. But oh, yeah. Like, the, the, I think it's weird to see like a dead animal. So oh, I don't yeah. even know what I would do if I saw a dead person. So oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I was listening to um, this podcast called Rotten Mango. And she talks about how when people find dead bodies, they always think that they're mannequins. And she talked about, she was like kind of equating it to the uncanny valley with when you see something that like, you know, supposed to be human, but isn't quite human. And like a dead body is kind of like that. So your first might like think like, like it's like, I think a almost like a protection thing that your brain does is that it immediately goes, Oh, that's not a dead body. It's a mannequin. It's right. a doll. It's whatever. Yeah. And then you're like, Oh shit, that's like a bad fucking body. <laughs> you know? So, um, I, I mean, that's a little different, but I, I kind of thought that that was interesting. And, but anyway, um, yeah, I, I, I think that the whole, the whole death scene I think is done really well. And it's never like, dwelled on either and I kind of like that like it was like okay he dies and then that's the end you know what I mean yeah yeah there's not like you don't see the police pull up you don't see like the residual after effect it's just like it's just like that's it that's the end of Lester's story Mm -hmm. you know yeah um and I liked that Carolyn sort of had a breakdown like she showed some emotion like oh this because I don't think she was ever going to follow through with killing him I don't think so either and then I think she like found whatever love was left for him once yeah. he was gone so she was like and she was hugging all of his like clothes and stuff yeah but i don't i don't think she i don't think you you ever know that she finds out like in the movie that he's dead you know what i mean like she doesn't see his body when she does that well you don't see her see his body but i, I don't, don't like what she heard the gunshot and she went in the house i don't think she did though because when it she's walking her. no she's walking up the the path and her like reaction doesn't change at all. I don't think she hears it. So why is she crying into his shirts then? I think she's just overwhelmed because she was about to kill him and then she realized what she was doing. Why'd she hide her purse with a gun in it, in the hamper? Probably just a reaction to how she was just feeling overwhelmed, you know? Like she didn't want to see it. It didn't want to, it's like out of sight, out of mind, you know? I don't know. I feel like that's, I feel like, what is it, Occam's razor? Like the simplest explanation is, and I feel like the simplest explanation is that she saw his dead body, but I've never thought about it the way you're. Yeah, I don't, I don't think she. It. I don't think she does in the in the confines of the film. I think that all happens after the film is over. Hmm. That's my thing. So you think she went in the house and just went right up to her room, mm-hmm. even though Ricky and uh, Jane were standing there. Well, they were in the kitchen. So I think what happened is. I don't, I mean, I'm kind of guessing the layout of their house. So let's say the stairs are right near the door, the front door that she walked up to the front door, went upstairs, hit the, the gun and then like hugged his clothes. 
because she was just overwhelmed. I don't know, but nothing would have happened up to that point unless, besides seeing the body that would make her that overwhelmed to hug his shirt. But I, I think it would though. I think because she, I think she was because she was so angry and so worked up because she had to, you know, end this relationship with Buddy, you know, and she was so upset about it that she was like, I'm not a victim any longer. And she was like holding the gun, like she was about to kill him. And then she realized what she was doing. And the idea of ending like a life was just so overwhelming and scary for her that I think that that I, to me, that that reaction makes sense. Hmm. I just feel like that's drawing like way more conclusions than the film gives us. That's why I I, I've never seen it that way. So that's, or I, I have in the two times I've seen this movie, I do not think of it that way. So that's pretty interesting because we, you're right. We never see her see the body. Yeah. So we could both, I mean, it could go any way. It's like a yeah. choose your own adventure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm right, but <laughs> you know, um, yeah. So I, I don't think she ever sees it until after the movie's over, you know? Yeah. Hmm. That's my theory. Yeah, it's a good question about like what what is life going to be like for these people now? Yeah, yeah. Like are they going to run away? Because like, like Ricky still isn't welcome at home, I assume. Yeah, I would. And, I would assume Ricky would leave, but yeah, but but I don't know. Maybe and I honestly like I really love the young love story, which I've said multiple times. I really want it to work out for them, but I'm fifty fifty on if it would or not. Like would they just end up being their parents because they're so everyone's so messed up or right. could they make it work? And maybe her dad dying could have saved her from that fate because maybe she wouldn't run away with Ricky now. And maybe she wouldn't be in a dysfunctional relationship, you know, like maybe yeah. in some way. And not that their relationship is dysfunctional. I just think the potential for dysfunction is there because both of their parents or yeah. all four of yeah. their parents have such mega issues yeah i mean they're from trauma you know and and seeing your dead your dad dead from a gunshot wound i can't imagine is going to be something she'll you know i'm just struggling with that again for the rest of her life you know like that that but it's i i don't know that's a good question i think I think this movie is very interesting from a psychological perspective. I think that there's so much more to it than it's just what is on the surface. And I fucking love this movie. <laughs> like I fucking love this movie. And I was, I was actually super worried that I wasn't going to like it as much. And I rewatched it again. And I was like, you know what? I like this movie more than ever. So yeah. Yeah. I was excited to see it as an adult with the proper mindset. Like I think I, I definitely feel like I was way too young to see it the first time. Not because of inappropriate, just not because of inappropriateness, just because of like I just there were so many things that just, just right over my oh, head. Yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. I mean same. Because I just hadn't experienced things and in, in life and seen things and seen I, you know, I, there's so many movies I've seen in that time that have, you know, and books I've read and learned learned about things. So in relationship yeah you know? like, so yeah. just like i was excited to see it as an adult and it did not disappoint me so mm -mm. no so so would you recommend this movie i would recommend this movie 100 percent. i would i you know yeah i think watch it enjoy it it's dark it's funny it's bonkers it's sad it's it's just really well done it's very good 
Yeah. I think everyone's performance is good. I can't yeah. think of a bad performance in the movie. Yeah. Um, like I said, Allison Janney was very underutilized, but she oh did a gosh. good job in the small bit she was in. And so. she only had like five lines. She's yeah. only in the movie like maybe all of five minutes. Yeah, so. maybe if that. But yeah. yeah. Um, I also would totally, yeah, definitely you would recommend, recommend it. This. Yeah. And I've pretty much been doing that since I've seen it. And I continue to do that. And I think I would recommend it even harder <laughs> now that I've seen it now. <laughs> I, I think it's a fantastic film go out just freaking buy it because you'll love it and you'll add it to your collection and, and you know i mean i like darker stuff so this is kind of totally my type of film um but i i've seen one movie that i thought came kind of close to how i felt about this film and that's the film little children oh okay i, I think i've talked to you one. about yeah. that i want to yeah that actually that movie like it's not directed by sam mendes but i kept looking at the like director because i was like art am I sure this isn't directed by Sam Mendes? Cause they're so like, there's just, it's not that they're similar. They're like, di well, there are similarities, but it's, they're two different stories, but just as far as like, if you're going to watch American beauty, you should also check out little children. Cause little children is, um, it's a very, it's an emotional film. Yeah. Yeah. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. yeah. So if you would like to follow us on Instagram, we are at watchers and movies. If you'd like to follow us on our other Instagram. It's watchers who find things. I just uploaded like two things. So that's more than you'll get in like a month. Um, <laughs> I don't upload very often, but uh, if you want to listen to us, you can just Google us because we are everywhere now, baby. We are everywhere. Yes. And if you like um, use Facebook instead of Instagram, we're at watchers and movies. And if you like our stuff and you want us to review a movie for you, what you can do is you can go to iTunes, you can give us five stars, and you can say the name of the movie in your review. And also say something nice and pretty because we like hearing nice things. And, and, uh, and you know, and, and we'll put it to the top of the list. And if you uh, don't have iTunes or you just want to email us and say hey or tell us what a great job we're doing you can email us at watchersandmovies at gmail.com or you know you can be like hey i really like this movie and i think you guys should review it and we'll be like cool so we'll put it on our list it won't take priority but it'll still be on there and i think that oh and thank you so much to mike for theme music his name is mike myers you can find him on twitter at the mike show 42 and last night he was on the pw torch wade keller pro wrestling smackdown post show oh, that is so awful. it is i think i always get it slightly wrong like the order but anyway if you go to pwtorch.com you can find it and they did a really good job talking about last night's smackdown lots of interesting insights so if you're interested in professional wrestling i highly recommend uh the post show because mike does does a very very good job and uh yeah so thank yeah, you mike yeah, yeah and if you want to follow me on tiktok you can follow me at save the phantom <laughs> It's just a little, I'm actually like kind of really into it now and I've started to do a bunch of like videos and everything and they're fun. So, you know, whatever. Anyway, and so that's it. So bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye.